How will the magic cord pass catching news affect Bijan Robinson tonight? Is DeAndre Hopkins in for a spike in where he goes in this draft? And which FFPC Titan is going to come away with the best roster in order to win a $1 million grand prize? A $1 million grand prize in the Fantasy Pros Championship, plus a six-figure career high-stakes fantasy football winner who's drafting tonight in this draft is actually going to be Biplab Mandel, and he's going to be stopping by after the draft tonight for a lengthy interview on his thoughts, not only on his team, but how the way this draft went through tonight. We've got a great show for you. I'm Eric Balkman. Farrell Elliott is here. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour live draft fantasy pros championship coverage starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Welcome in, welcome in. Thank you, Rob, and greetings and salutations to all you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome into the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm Eric Balkman from the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, the FFPC, and the Better Sports Network's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. My, uh, de- uh, my co-host is the definitive commissioner of Fantasy Football, Farrell Elliott. We're going to bring him on in a little bit. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are uh, tuning in, thank you so much. We're going to have a great draft for you tonight. If you've never played in the FFPC, remember, you have not one, but two chances to win $1 million in the FFPC this year, be it the Fantasy Pros Championship or the FFPC main event. And don't forget, if you want to play fantasy football 365 days a year, you can do so at myffpc.com, 1,300-plus dynasty leagues in almost 10 years, and nary a one has ever folded. That's all at myffpc.com. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified of uh, all the happenings we have on the FFPC YouTube channel, more to report on that coming up later on tonight. Tonight, we are bringing you a live FFPC Fantasy Pros Championship draft. To give you the idea of the lay of the land, I'm not going to reveal names unless they want to be revealed, and some of those people who are drafting tonight are actually going to be popping on the broadcast. we got already somebody snacking on our um, uh, shrimp and uh, chicken and all the great hors d'oeuvres we have in the green room right now for the HSFA Power. We're going to be bringing several of these players on, including BitBlad Mandela, guy who's won nearly or maybe more than six figures in uh, prizes in fantasy football in the FFPC and high six fantasy football. That is coming up after the draft tonight. Uh, drafting tonight in this uh, Fantasy Pros Championship draft, again, $350 to get in, $1 million to the winner. You can sign up for this draft and compete against these players at myffpc.com. The Hooterville Arnolds are, Arnolds are drafting from the first spot tonight, followed by the KCH Deacons. Uh, Dalloway is the owner of that. JTAJ, you know who he is. He's got Mo Ron. Uh, picking from the third spot tonight, hitting cleanup his Uncle Harry with his tea time entry. Pound Cake 123 entered. Stats 29 is his entry, uh, drafting from the five spot tonight. Biplab Mandel is going to be drafting from the six spot. Followed by Tree Huggers. His Hugger squad is uh, selecting seventh. KTMB 1234 and Matthew Stex drafting their Pava entry at the eight spot. Fourth and long is the 19 tonight. That's owned by Beth Rick. And then Frying Pan Inc. 
Foosball and the Rosenhaus factor at 10. 623 is drafting 11th, and Kings Stay Kings uh, being drafted by Kingsman 77, drafting from the uh, 12 spot tonight. Let's bring in the commish uh, tonight. You follow him on Twitter at KFFSC official, KFFSC.com. If you want to learn more about the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, Farrell Elliott, welcome in. We missed you last week, buddy, but we're so glad to have you back. I'm here for the long haul, too, Balky. And I tell you what, only thing that to make people want to listen to this uh, broadcast, this podcast, is to have a champion like Bip Lab Mandel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any better than that. I was in a league once and I finished ahead of Bip Lab and I was so intoxicated by uh, my unaccustomed success that I, I just, it was just trophy alone, just finishing on top of it ahead of Bip Lab was just an incredible situation. But you know, he's one of the gentlemen of this business and we're fortunate to have him in Las Vegas at the FFPC and Kentucky in the KFFSC. We are very fortunate, and I love competing against him, but I also hate competing against him because he is so good. How hit, How has he gotten so good over the years in the FFPC and the KFFSC? Stay tuned. About an hour and a half, we'll have that coming up at you. I'll bring up the draft board right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what we have here is not a failure to communicate. We are through the first round tonight. Uh, team one, the Hooterville Arnolds, no surprise. Justin Jefferson goes off the board at the 101. Travis Kelsey uh, to the KCH Deacons at the two. That's a little bit higher than he normally goes in the Fantasy Pros Championship. He goes at the 102. How did that affect it? Well, Mo Ron gets Jamar Chase at the 103, followed by Christian McCaffrey, the first running back off the board. Austin Eckler at the stats 29 at the 105. And then a couple of receivers. Bip Lab takes. Cooper Cup, Biplab Mandel takes Cooper Cup as the third receiver off the board. The fourth receiver, no fear in what's going on in the investigation, and maybe the investigation is over in South Beach. Tyree Kill, the fourth receiver off the board. Two huggers at the 107. Bijan Robinson, no worries about the quarter old Patterson news about him being more of a pass catcher this year. Bijan Robinson goes to Pava at the 108, followed by three receivers. CD Lamb to fourth and long. Stefan Diggs to Frying Pan Inc. And then Amon Ross St. Brown to 623. Tony Pollard wraps things up in the first round at the 112. A little bit of a surprise there, maybe not so much. Uh, Farrell, if you're in an FFPC draft, you see Travis Kelsey go off the board at the 102. Are you heartbroken? Are you excited, given the value that's going to fall now? You know, because I might likely fall and do that myself. But, yeah, when, when Kelsey goes that early, you know that you, number four team ends up with McCaffrey. So that's mm-hmm. a wonderful place to be in if you're number four. You didn't wake up thinking you would get McCaffrey at number four. Eckler goes five. That's just about where he always does, and everything else falls into place. Balky notice at the 12 position who uh, enters the first round tonight. And that's interesting because, and, and we'll talk about him here, Tony Pollard, on average in the last three days in the Fantasy Pros Championship, we have a lot of drafts to work through in that, um, and, and I look at, um, and by the way, Fantasy Mojo, uh, at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, FantasyMojo.com, Darren Armani, the godfather of the uh, FFPC Pros versus Joe's Challenge, and a guy who compiles all the ADP data that we cite on the show. Normally, on average, in the last three days, Tony Pollard has been the 209. He has been the running back seven. Tonight, not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say, running back four. He goes off the board at the 112 tonight. Farrell, we've talked with this about some – high-stakes fantasy football players uh, on this show and off this show, too. Um, and and I'm, you know, put me in the worried category of if Pollard is the guy this year, I am concerned if the Cowboys increases workload that he will either uh, falter because of injury or he won't be as effective because he will – 
based on what we're seeing right now and based on the projections, he has never seen a workload like this in the NFL before. And I worry about him breaking down. I almost want Ezekiel Elliott. I almost want Leonard Fournette. I almost want Dalvin Cook to go to Dallas because I know Pollard's going to be a stud even with those guys there. Without him, I'm not so sure, man. Um, I think for fantasy football purposes, Balky, we must assume that everyone is an injury risk, and Pollard is no – he's missed time. He has. Mm-hmm. In, in his role here, he has missed time. But we have no reason to expect that that will continue this year. We have a guy that we know – um, in his in any role is is probably good for twelve touchdowns this year. Um, we've said earlier that he's no Austin Eckler. Uh, FFPC drafters don't agree with us. They're pushing him into uh, that that level. And and you know what? If if you can get twelve touchdowns out of him, if you can get fifty catches, if you can get a thousand plus yards rushing, you're going to get what you need at that running back position. And team twelve here. If they like Pollard, it's the only place they can take him. So good for them. Yeah. They took their guy. You always want to get your guys. I think that uh, this is an offense that is designed to run through C.D. Lamb. And one of the things I want to keep my eye on tonight, Balky, is where the quarterback goes, Dak Prescott, because I think all of us may be sleeping on the most valuable and biggest um, bargain in, in fantasy football, and that's the Cowboys quarterback right now. We have a situation developing with Team 2 here in the second and the third round, and we're already getting the chime in, chimes in in the FFPC YouTube channel right now. I want to get to that, but to, to, to set you up for it, let's take you through the second round. A.J. Brown off the board at the 201 to Team 12. Garrett Wilson is the second consecutive receiver drafted by 623 at the 11. Three running backs here, Saquon Barkley at the 203, Jonathan Taylor at the 204, followed by Nick Chubb. So Team 8. At the in the first and second round goes running back, running back. The only team tonight to go running back, running back, Bijan Robinson and Nick Chubb. And then a pair of teams that go receiver, receiver, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams to team seven, Cooper Cup and Jalen Waddle to Bip Lab Mandel here. The uh, second tight end goes off the board in Mark Andrews at the 208 to team five. That's stats 29, followed by Devontae Smith, the second receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, the second Philadelphia Eagles receiver to go in the second round tonight. Uh, he goes to tea time here tonight at the 209, followed by Chris Olave to the 210. Jalen Hurts off the board at the 211. T. Higgins, the final pick of the second round tonight. And I will bring this up too. Uh, from the Dizzle Dave Gerzak. Interesting that Team 2 passed on the Kelsey-Mahomes combo in favor of Hurts. Farrell, we're going to talk to Bip Lab about this, but for me, if I'm going to go quarterback there, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. I'm not thinking twice about it. i got to have that stack. How would you fall in on that? You take Travis Kelsey at the 102. Patrick Mahomes is out there at the 211. You're settled on quarterback. Are you taking Mahomes or are you going elsewhere? All day long, and it's a lineup that would suggest uh, that if you do not have the kind of value that you need for Kelsey at the number two position, which I think you'll get close, but that's that's a hard number to match taking him there. You, If you have Mahomes, you've ensured that that ball is going to go somewhere else and you can get some points that way. Um, so, yeah, um, I like the idea of Hurts as a quarterback. I don't like him off the board first, and I don't like him if I've already got a chief on my roster. So, uh, yeah. Now, you asked me early on to start the show, am I smiling when I see Kelsey go and know he's going to be available later? Mm-hmm. I'm now smiling because I see that Mahomes is going to be a <laughs> 
<laughs> um, the other thing I want to bring up before we get to the to the third round here, because Team Two also had some fireworks here, and I think Team Two is going to be who we're talking about tonight. Jonathan Taylor was essentially the de facto number one overall, 101 in FFPC, 101 in KFFSC last year. Jonathan Taylor now falling to the 204, according to Fantasy Mojo right now. Uh, his ADP is running back five at the 204, so he goes basically where he's supposed to tonight. Is that too late? I mean, are, are high-stakes players underrating Jonathan Taylor? I know it's Anthony Richardson, and they're going to have a new quarterback this year, but quite frankly, even Richardson can't be as bad as Matt Ryan was last year. <laughs> uh, the, the new look Colts will include uh, will include much Jonathan Taylor. However, you you don't really know what it's going to look like and it's unpredictable week to week and i think in the format that we're playing here we don't want to have unpredictability especially mm -hmm. with these excellent players and where you have to take him the players around him well you know barkley hasn't done much so far this year in participation we'll see what happens to that chubb is chubb and you know what you can count on there i i like doing something if you don't like the other running backs here uh let's let's go ahead and um Let's go ahead and consider one of these elite receivers, or in this case, what would have been the second tight end off the board. We got a from Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo. We got a WTF on the Jalen Hurts pick tonight after that. And then uh, as we get to the third round here, TJ Hawkinson going to team two, the first uh, team to double up on tight ends. Hawkinson to pair with Kelsey and Jalen Hurts, mind blown. Um, and Kevin English from Draft Sharks obviously chiming in. Kevin English, who has won a six-figure-plus grand prize in uh, in his career, and he's tuning in tonight to watch this. He said, is it fair to say this is the first Kelsey Hurts Hawkinson start, Darren Armani? And Armani chimes in. I just checked. The only team in the Fantasy Pros Championship that has Hurts, Hawkinson, and Kelsey is Team 2 in tonight's draft. We are there's something to be said for originality, and there's also something to be said for uh, your expense account. English has had so much success, Balky. He should come mm -hmm. to Kentucky just based oh. on So, you know, it, that would be something for him to consider. Um, Dominic uh, Gazzetti said uh, – hold on. Before we get to Dominic's comment, let's get to Alex P. Keaton's uh, comment about Team 2. This is insane. Chose Kelsey early. Pass on the quarterback he needs to justify the number two overall pick. I'm with you. I, I, I would have gone Mahomes there. We're through three rounds here. I'll take you through it. Team one has uh, paired Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins with DK Metcalf now at the 301. The only team in this draft to go three receivers to start off. TJ Hawkinson, we already talked about that. The 302 tonight, two team two. And then we get a bunch of running backs. Ramondre Stevenson, the number one running back for Mo Ron. Josh Jacobs, the second running back to tee time, followed by Brees Hall to pair with Austin Eckler for stats 29 at the 205. A couple of quarterbacks here, Patrick Mahomes to Bitcoin, Derrick Henry off the board to the Huggers, and then Josh Allen going with Bijan Robinson and Nick Chubb to team eight. That's Pava uh, getting 308 tonight for Josh Allen in this draft. Calvin Ridley off the board at the 309 to go with CeeDee Lamb for fourth and long. A couple of running backs here, Najee Harris, at the 310, Jameer Gibbs at the 311. Farrell, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Team two, Kelsey and Hertz, and then they go with Hawkinson. Uh, to quote Jason Bateman in Dodgeball, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off. For well, they're just, they're basically doing what they want to do, and I, I give them great credit. So let's see what they put with it. I hope they don't bow to uh, chat room conversation, you know, because, <laughs> uh, you know, Darren. Darren can count the numbers, but he can't make the numbers, you know, so he's just got to understand that this guy's making the numbers and I'm proud of him. I want to see what he puts with that. I'm also proud of team number seven, because if you take Tyreek Hill, uh, you take the receiver Adams and you take running back Henry, 
you're into a situation where you've basically stacked up three players who might have been first-round draft picks in some drafts last year. I think that's very impressive uh, value add there. And, uh, you know, uh, my great friend, Bully Bob Hogan, coming out of the number one spot with mm-hmm. the Bill Arnolds, he's showing he's a true Kentucky man. He starts with three wide receivers. So, you know, you, you've uh, – it, it, you you can take Bully Bob away from home, but you, you can't take those tendencies away from you, him. Yeah, that's, no, here's what it is. You can take the player out of the KFFSC. You yeah. can't take the KFFSC out of the player. Speaking yeah, of which, let's go it. to the guy who is drafting number one tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. From the one spot, the Hooterville Arnold's owner himself, it is Bob Hogan. Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, DK Metcalf is his start. Bob, welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. How's it going so far? It's going well. I'm actually on vacation and sitting here taking a break to draft. I love it. And and you had to be pleased as punch to get the number one pick uh, in the draft tonight. Can you tell us, no surprise with Justin Jefferson, can you tell us uh, about the 212 and the 301 turn here with Higgins and Metcalf, the fact that you started off with three receivers in this draft? It looked like receivers weren't going as fast as I expected. So I thought I would get three premier guys as I see it. Uh, as early as I could. Now, I'll have to catch up on running backs and the like later. But, uh, you know, I, I saw an opportunity to get three guys. I thought there was a tear break after Metcalf, and and so I went ahead and jumped on him. And you look at that too, Bob, from, from, that, from, from that 301, there was not another receiver that went off the board until the 309, and that was Calvin Ridley, who, you know, by the ADP provided by Fantasy Mojo, that was a reach on him as well. And I think this goes to the whole, you got to get your guys. And and the fact that you maybe reached on Metcalf a little bit, that put the pressure on everybody else. You don't have to worry about it now, man. You got three stud receivers on your team and you're coming up with the final pick of the fourth round and the first pick of the fifth round. Obviously you said that you have to catch up on running back. No tight ends on your team so far. Four tight ends so far off the board. Four quarterbacks off the board. Can you get us inside your mind here right now and let us know what you're thinking about this 4-5 turn? Well, I'm not really seeing any running backs that I want, so I may not be doing that. Oh, Um, a teaser, Balky. Bob gives us a teaser. I love it. He's in California, and he's very, very relaxed tonight. I can tell. (laughs) And so he's, you know, Bob, I'm trying to predict who it's going to be, and I just can't. uh, Dalvin Cook's still available, but he's going to go later. Uh, Well, we'll see what it is. It's it's, – it's draft time for you, Bob. Well, and I'm trying to do it, and, and the machine is not cooperating. Yeah, well, we, can, we can fix that. That's no problem. You got plenty of time on the clock here, my friend. Who are so just so you can announce it on air? The final pick of the fourth round is going to be who here, Bob? Lamar Jackson. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Lamar Jackson at the 412. You're getting the fifth quarterback off the board. Lamar Jackson's average ADP right now in the Fantasy Pros Championship over the last three days is 410. Technically, it is a slight value for you there that you're getting. We may have to pause this here, and if we have to pause it, we will, and I'll make sure that uh, our lovely commissioner and my audio engineer tonight, Bryce, is uh, is well aware of the, the Lamar Jackson uh, pick here. Yeah, okay, hold on. Let's, let's, let me log in here and see if I I think Bryce is more talented than he is lovely. That's something I've, you know, he, he is a lovely sweetheart of a guy. He is a sweetheart of a guy to, 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 to the people he likes, for sure. Um, and uh, and Bob Hogan is one of them here. Uh, so, let's, so, Bob, what I'm going to do right now is I got the draft paused for you. 
So you we're going to fix this. We're going to fix this. Put it, put it back on. It's fine now. Uh, so Hopkins Jackson is good? Uh, yes, that will work. Okay. All right. Perfect. I don't think well, I've ever you, were going, uh, you were going Jackson Hopkins. That's what you were doing. <laughs> well, that's actually what I was going to do, but I think it's pretty much the same there thing. There you go. Basically. Um, not, get get uh, Darren think, Armani on the show, and he'll tell you it absolutely is not. But other than that, every, <laughs> everyone else well, is going to tell you that's the same thing, Bob. So at the so, end of the end of the season, I'll be able to say, yeah, Lamar Jackson won the league for me fifth, from the fifth round. Fifth round. Well, so now this is this is the great way to do it, Bob, because not only can you say yeah, more Lamar Jackson in the fifth round, you could say I start off with four straight receivers there in this go, fantasy process. So now let me ask you about DeAndre Hopkins here, Bob, and and this is a, a subject that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We don't know where he's going to end up. We don't know what role he's going to have. We don't know who's going to be throwing it to him. We don't know his OC. We don't know his offense. We don't know his head coach, everything like that. But at this point, when you're taking him at that 4-5 turn, the risk represents something being worthwhile when you're trying to win a million dollars, right? Well, if he goes the right place, he's certainly worth more than a fourth-round pick, mm -hmm. uh, definitely a 4-12 pick. Uh, the other day in a draft, I took Barkley at the end of the second round, uh, not knowing if he's actually going to play. But like I told the, the people on that draft, if he does play, that's a, the steal of the draft, getting Barkley mm -hmm. in 2-12. And it's kind of the same way that what I see with Hopkins here. Yeah, Hopkins, even with – you imagine any quarterback in the league and you can't find one that's not going to deliver 70 or 80 passes. And it, when you start playing around with offenses, now you look at the touchdowns. And, and wherever he goes, if the team is, is a substandard team, if they're not a powerhouse, if they've got offensive issues, well, the whole damn offense is going to flow through him. And then if it is a good offense, he's going to be part of a contributing monster. So any way you break it down, Hopkins is the winner, I think. Yeah, uh, and if it, and if he doesn't do anything good, he is my fourth wide receiver, so I can I can let him watch the games from the bench. <laughs> Bob, Bob, let me let me ask you: like the the team we've been talking about so far tonight has been team two, tight end, quarterback, tight end, and they follow it up with uh, two running backs here in the fourth and the fifth. Uh, you're looking at a very interesting start. I think I'm going to put it up from Darren Armani if I can find it here. Uh, from uh, Fantasy Mojo, no teams in the Fantasy Pros Championship have started their draft with two tight ends and a quarterback in the first three rounds this season. Uncharted territory for that build right now. You're drafting right next to Team 2. This has got to be weird for you because you don't know what Team 2 is capable of at this point. Well, I think what he's capable of is drafting wide receivers that I won't be worried about for a while. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, he also knows that if he wants to pass on a receiver, I'm not likely to be taking him from him. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's so, so, Bob, I just want to um, – the last thing I, I want to ask you about in, in this Lamar Jackson pick at the 501, obviously good value on him to get him as the fifth quarterback off the board in the fifth round. There has been made a lot of the weapons, and obviously Todd Monken, the new offensive coordinator who loves the pass in Baltimore this year. Do you think FFPC players in general are sleeping on Lamar Jackson, given what he could be capable of, not only with this new pass-happy offensive coordinator, but with Odell Beckham and with Zay Flowers added to Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman? I remember watching Lamar in person because I'm a Louisville guy. And uh, he actually is not a, the weak passer that everybody makes him out to be. And with his legs, he's going to do an awful lot. But I'll, i got to be honest with you, I really wanted Joe Burrow. Mm. 
after getting T. Higgins, I was really planning on taking Burrow until uh, until he disappeared from me. Yeah, team number three, uh, they weren't going to let you get away with that, Bob. But you've got you've got enough in Lamar Jackson. If you look at downfield passing accuracy, and, and this is something especially with the new offensive coordinator and the group of wide receivers he has, even prior to that, downfield passing accuracy of Lamar Jackson sets uh, near the top and all passes above 25 yards. And, and he's – I don't it, – it, it's not a traditional look. I don't know if receivers come open because he moves around uh, uh, in the pocket and, and out of the pocket so well. But the end result is he can throw the ball. And uh, now he's got some guys that are going to be open downfield to catch it. Yeah, um, and he, he actually throws better long, I think, than he does short. Yep. And that, that goes back to his days as a UofL Cardinal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was the same thing. It was frustrating sometimes watching him throw the ball into the ground or or five yards over the head of, uh, of uh, wide receiver. The check down for him is not his favorite pass. <laughs> no, That's why. And, and the good thing is he can run. So he doesn't I, do that a lot. I, I, yeah, exactly. I will tell you this. Um, going back to his times at Louisville, this is when Dave the Dizzle Gerzak turned Lamar Jackson on to me. I have him in way too many dynasty leagues, but I'm excited for this year to see how it yes, ends sir. up. I'm also excited. Bob Hogan, to see how this team ends up for you, drafting from the one spot in the Fantasy Pros Championship tonight, man. You got a good start here. As I always say to everybody, don't screw it up. Good luck the rest of the way. And thank you for chiming in tonight, man. You are a skilled fantasy player. We expect nothing but the best from you the rest of the way. Hey, thanks for having me on, and uh, good luck to everybody else. Just don't beat me. Just don't beat Bob Hogan, ladies and gentlemen. That's that's the best advice we can give you tonight as we press on through the sixth round tonight. I want to, I don't want to take you through the, the entire fourth round here, but Farrell, let me bring this up before I get to the team build that Kevin English is commenting on from Team 8 tonight. I continue to think that Aaron Jones is being undervalued in fantasy drafts, and uh, in, in fantasy pros championship drafts in general. He falls tonight. He goes at the 409 to team four as the number three running back for him. On average, he's been going at the 410. Maybe this is my Packers, my green and gold goggles coming through here. But, man, I love Aaron Jones this year, and I feel like 410, late fourth round, I'm going to get him every single time until he goes up, which I think is going to happen. Yeah, this is still, and I'm waiting for him to go up. We have some of the finest drafters in fantasy football here, and they're not doing anything to push him up. Uh-huh. I look at some of the players drafted ahead of him, and I don't have that big of complaints about them, but um, I, I'm excited about Jamar Gibbs, but he's new to the league. Najee Harris, the excitement has left the station for me. Uh, Travis Etienne, perhaps uh, overdrafted. All these guys in no. front of Aaron Jones, if I'm reading the board correctly. So I, I um, and I congratulate team number four on the play. And, and Balky, I'm going to let you do it. Uh, when you get there and when you're good and ready. But I got to tell you, man, I really like what Frying Pan Inc. is putting together out of the number 10 spot. Uh, let, let's go to that right now because they we are through six rounds from FPI, the former KFFSC main event champions drafting their former FFPC pros versus Joe's drafters. A couple of guys in Petra and Larson who have been very, very good, whatever contest they're playing, be it KFFSC or FFPC. From the 10 spot, they start off with Stefan Diggs, who I think 
his value is being a little bit unfairly depressed right now because people are nervous about what's going to happen with him going forward and his unsatisfactory response to the Bills offense and how he's being utilized in it. He gets Barkley, another guy I think that's being depressed right now. Najee Harris, I don't know anybody who's all about Najee Harris this year. I can't even call him a polarizing running back this year because I think everybody's down on him. You get Najee Harris, a volume guy who is going at the end of the third round, and then Debo Samuel, Chris Godwin, and Christian Kirk. There is a lot to like about this squad. We'll see how the tight ends end up, but as far as running backs and receivers, yeah, I'll go to bat with this team. I, I like Samuel. I think Godwin's a nice pick in the fifth round, even with Mayfield or Trask, who's ever throwing him the ball. And I am not a Ridley guy, which means I'm kind of a Kirk guy. So to get Kirk as your fourth receiver in the sixth round, sign me up. I think FPI is doing a great job. And it's the all discontent teams. Diggs is unhappy. Barkley's discontented. Harris is still looking for to, to be recognized as the player that he and a lot of other players thinks he has. Debo Samuel has been complaining about the quarterback position. Godwin is playing with Mayfield. Wait, the discontent is on the way. And Christian Kirk is disrespected. He walks around with two chips on his shoulder all the time. It's the all discontent team. It's likely to make a run for it. This is, a, you know, maybe Darren Larson will start drafting the guys that are in a good mood. But they, you know, all of these guys probably were drafted by Petra. But all, in, but <laughs> nevertheless, they're, they're they're nevertheless, and and you know what? I, I love these guys so much. They've had great success. It wouldn't surprise that they would win here. Uh, they won big prizes all across fantasy football. But you know, the prizes nearest and dearest to them, Balky, is the one that's. Uh, from Kentucky that sits in the middle of their trophy case. So, you know, those guys are great drafters and yeah, they'll find the tight end. My guess is it'll be Friermuth, but who knows? Well, and the other thing too, that, well, Friermuth is off the board now. And well, it won't, it won't be Friermuth. Won't be Friermuth. Yeah. He, he goes, he goes off the board tonight at the six twelve. we're into the seventh round, plenty of tight ends out there. You know, what's interesting is we look at this board, you have seven tight ends off the board, but all of them are from team seven, all the way to team one. They're all on the left side of the board. So you're looking at a situation where the right side of the board may be fighting over tight ends. You know, you think about guys, and yes, I'm going to name guys that have not been drafted yet. Chiga Conquo, Cole Komet is still out there. You know, players oh. like that. Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, the Arizona guys. Evan Ingram now goes off the board in the seventh round here too. So there mm -hmm. is a situation. I mean, there there are players that they can land on with tight end here at the uh, from the town hole, and I think they'll be all right. It's getting um, trickier all the time, though. Right. It is getting trickier. The longer you wait, the trickier it gets, right? Uh, let's go to a YouTube comment right now from Jessel Jones. I like team three outside of the Pitts selection, which went in the fifth round tonight. I don't have a problem with Pitts in the fifth round in the FFPC tight end premium format. He's so talented not to have a bounce back, right? Right? Farrell, right. where do you stand on Kyle Pitts this year? A guy who is one of the rare breeds in the FFPC that he has been uber polarizing for tight end premium formats every single year he's been in the league so far, and 2023 is no different. Jessel Jones is a great stage name. I, you know, that is, I've never met Jessel, but if he's playing at the uh, uh, FFPC in Las Vegas, I would like to. That's my favorite name. But, but okay, and Jessel's right. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, this is, uh, I can't see a reason that this doesn't work. They have a quarterback that protects the ball. They have a quarterback that doesn't throw those interceptions. In his first year, he didn't throw interceptions. He's cautious with the ball. Mm -hmm. He'll move the sticks. He's he's better short than he is long. He's in a situation where this player should be, with all the other players they've signed at the wide receiver position, 
this player should be the feature target uh, closest to the quarterback. Uh, Cordero Patterson, I don't know what that future is like here, but he's got to seed some of the ball handling activities. Yes, Balky, you're all over it. People are giving up on where did he go in the fifth round now? It's it's mm-hmm. it, and you know if you're if you're a gambler and you don't like pits in the fifth round, I would hate to be out on a night playing at the craps table with you because you're you're going to be frozen into you know pits in the fifth round. All for you, all for you, Desmond Ritter. Yeah, get, get pits the ball eighty plus times, get eight touchdowns. That would be a big success in that offense. And that would be great. You know what's interesting too is is Kyle I Pitts. Think Todd Hunter had a good one, right? There. Todd, yeah, Todd Hunter. I'm not. This I is Georgie I, Jessel, Todd, not George Jessel. I know him very well, Georgie Jessel. <laughs> Georgie Jessel is a retirement home joke. Farrell did not meet him in a retirement <laughs> home, but that's why um, we love Todd so much. Um, you bring like the, the here's what makes makes the great thing about Mo Ron's team here, and that's JTAJ. If you know been playing in FFPC. You know, JTAJ is a very accomplished FFPC and KFFSC player. But when you look at how his team is stacking up, right, Chase Olave, fine. Ramondre Stevenson, I love it. Joe Burrow in the fourth round. And then the fact that Kyle Pitts is going basically a half round later than his ADP, and you need a tight end. At that point, that's where you strike uh, with lightning and you grab Pitts. Whether you believe in him or not, it's good value on your ADP, and you're also cashing in on on uh, the the team you've already drafted to get Pitts to to pair with Chase Olave Stevenson and Bro. I love that pick. Um, I, it, I, go ahead, Balky Team Four. It, 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 they're living right, uh, uh, or uh, Team Three, because you know he's he's in a situation where. Uh, he's he's putting together this team. Yeah, Team 4, I'm sorry. Team 4, they pass on pits by going McLaurin. I wouldn't have yeah. done that. Maybe I'm thinking I'm going to get Friermuth on the way back, but I don't get that either. But then I get a very, very good quarterback in the sixth round, maybe where he's going, but I think that's underdrafted for his position. And then it rolls all the way back around. How many picks again before someone decides to take Evan Ingram and his Team 4? And and how lucky they are to get that kind of production at that at that point. It's it's impressive. Yeah, Justin Herbert normally going off the board at the six oh three team four tea time gets him at the six oh uh six oh nine tonight, and then Evan Engram goes off the board at the seven oh four. Evan Engram's ADP is the seven oh five, so he nails the ADP right there. And, and again, he needed a tight end at that point. So you get the quarterback, you get the tight end and back-to-back rounds to pair with your three running backs and your two receivers that you already have. So I'm on board with that uh, for sure. Uh, Rich Bilyeu, who we talked about on this um, uh, on this uh, program a couple of weeks ago, 7-8 uh, turn. Boom. Nice stack for Deshaun Watson and David Njoku there for Team 12, who already had Pollard. We talked about taking Pollard in the first round there. He does not take another running back until – uh, Alexander Madison in the sixth round, but then he gets a starting quarterback. He gets a starting tight end and David and Joku and Farrell. When you're trying to beat thousands of other teams for a million dollars in this contest, pairing Watson and Njoku, a pair of Cleveland Browns there that could end up being nice bounce back guys this year. There's a lot of worse ways to go. I kind of like what team 12 did there. I kind of like it. I'm, I'm, um, I'm a wait and see approach and I don't think I would have done it myself, but I can see how it would work. Um, Balky, let's move over and uh, and talk about team number eight who didn't mm-hmm. pick a wide receiver until the sixth round. Mm-hmm. 
And now yeah, we're and, shot. Well, we're, we're getting some comments, and we have been getting some comments in, in the YouTube chat about Team 8 right now, about how it's looking interesting, people looking forward to, to seeing how Team 8 fills out the roster. Um, Alex P. Keaton actually chiming in, just looking at teammate, gave me a significant boost of testosterone. This is what we do on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. You don't need any of those other uh, uh, generic treatments or, or, or um, uh, drug treatments for anything going on down there. It's a marital aid to watch live fantasy pros championship coverage here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Teammate is doing it for Alex P. Keaton. And it's very interesting, as you said. You get the four running backs and a quarterback here in the first five rounds. Now you get Ayuk, Pickens, and Cooks. I think if you're waiting on receivers here, you can do a lot worse than that. I'm on board with Ayuk. I, you know what's interesting, Farrell, here, and, and, and I'll, I'll get your opinion on this. I love the talent of Ayuk, Pickens, and Cooks a little bit more than their actual fantasy production there this year. So I think the names might be a little bit bigger than the numbers, but I could be wrong on that. That's just how I see that team. But listen. You wait on, until round six to take a receiver. Beggars can't be choosers. Mm, you know, yeah, okay. Ayuki's a number two receiver, but he's on a team, and the way he plays, he plays with potential number one. Isn't Pickens the number one in Pittsburgh? Wouldn't you have to claim that he is? Well, okay. then, oh, 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 no, no, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. So you believe Pickens is the number one over Deontay Johnson? Oh, yeah. At this point in time in his career, yeah. I, I okay. believe this is I believe this is where the upside play is for the Steelers this year. And then Brandon Cooks is is a role player, but he is one of the most significant role players in fantasy production ever. This guy is you can't call him a journeyman. He's always had a role of the number two receiver, sometimes the number one where he is, but he he's he's the uh there's probably not a receiver that's been as well-traveled in the league that has consistent success everywhere he lands. And I think he'll have consistent uh, success in Dallas, even though I see that offense going through uh, C.D. Lamb. But uh, I, it would have been interesting to me from a stack standpoint, and I don't know how much these drafters think about stacks or if they think about them as much as I do, but uh, Team 9 uh, to me should have uh, – should have put Cooks and, and Lamb together. I think that would have been fascinating. And then uh, I'm real interested to see what they do at the quarterback position. All right, for what it's worth, and I'm not calling out my best friend in the world, next to Bryce, of course, Farrell Evans. No, it's me. Right? Uh, yeah, it is you. Yeah, it is you. But right now in Fantasy Pros Championship Draft, Farrell, George Pickens, wide receiver 37 at the 710, Deontay Johnson. 5-12, wide receiver 27. You want nothing to do with Deontay Johnson this year, Farrell, and you want everything to do with Pickens, right? Everything to do with Pickens. I think Pickens' numbers are stronger than Johnson's. Okay, all right. Fair enough. All right, let's let's go back to Rich Bilyeu, a guy who, uh, uh, again, was on the program a couple of weeks ago talking about Kenneth Walker here at the 5-0-8 tonight, uh, for team number eight. That was the uh, Pava squad um, at the uh, – yeah, in the fifth round as their number four running back. He says – People will regret dropping Walker because of uh, Zach Charbonnet in the draft, and obviously not dropping him overall, but dropping him in their rankings. Farrell, we've talked about the Seahawks running backs here tonight. Kenneth, or uh, over the course of the last couple uh, of weeks here, Kenneth Walker, on average in the Fantasy Pros Championship, is going at the 504. He falls at the 508 tonight, as Matthew Berry once said. Has the hate gone too far on Kenneth Walker after the draft pick of Zach Charbonnet? 
Rich, thank you for posting that, especially in the early part of the show where perhaps not as many people are listening because we need to nip that in the bud. Right. Uh, because last year, uh, at least until Balky and I can return to the draft boards, uh, be, because last year Balky and I were big supporters of this player and no one wanted to listen to us. Mm-hmm. And Balky didn't end up in the seventh round and he fueled some championships for me in the seventh round. And, and, you know, I said, well, we got it one year. We'll never have a bargain on this player again. <laughs> here he is. And it's fascinating to me. Um, and, and, yes, this is a 500-rush backfield. Uh, the kid uh, from UCLA who has some question marks to his game, but I happen to like a great deal, is, is not going to steal the thunder from Walker. They're going to be a great complimentary pair. Uh, let's not be silly about Walker. Let's don't tell everybody. Right, yeah, we want to keep it a secret. You know, I I brought this up. Um, I had on the um, High Stakes Fantasy Football Show um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it was, it was last week. Kev Wheeler from the 33rd team, who has drafted a lot of FFPC teams. And if you listen to him on the Goat District podcast, he talked about how they needed to find a new name. And, well, you know, to hell with it. If he's he, he hasn't been drafted yet, he will be shortly here. No, he's already been drafted, so I don't feel bad about it as well. Kev Wheeler's big on Jamison Williams this year in Detroit. And he's like, you know, we can't keep talking about Jamison Williams on the podcast. We got to come up with a code name for him. So people are, are not keep raising his ADP or don't keep raising his ADP. So they came up with the name Whiskey Bill for Jamison okay. Williams, right? right? So if you ever hear the term Whiskey Bill, you know it's Jamison Williams who went off the board tonight at the 811 to the uh, KCH Demons. As the number one receiver, we should talk about that, Farrell. Team two, once again, in the headlines of this draft, three tight ends through nine rounds, one receiver through nine rounds. They loaded up on running backs, no problems. The running backs, Mixon, Sanders, Montgomery, and Penny. But my God, the three tight ends and the receivers, this is not a best ball league, right? And you still need to be able to consistently start receivers. You only have to start two of them. What do you make of this strategy here, only having one receiver through nine rounds for team two? Well, these guys enjoy being talked about, but hey, I can think of receivers that can make this team come together. Mm-hmm. I, this this team could could definitely come together. The receivers that are being drafted in the ninth round after they passed on them again, all are fifty plus guys, and there's a couple guys in there that could be around seventy. And uh, Cortland Sutton uh, in the middle of that round could be higher than that. So you get in a situation now, how many of those kind of guys last? As long as you can find some, uh, then you ought to be be okay. Now, I love Dalton Schultz, and I believe Dalton Schultz would be a good player uh, for the Houston Texans. But these guys should not have spent uh, that pick on uh, Dalton Schultz because they might have got him in the 10th, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, in in, – they could have taken one of these receivers that we like yeah. in the night. So, guys, come on. Yeah, we, we we see you and we notice you and we agree with you, and I'm proud of you. Let's draft some receivers, but the pressure's on. You're going to have to draft some receivers. You know, you're going to have to draft some receivers that impress us. And, hey, my favorite quarterback went off the board in the ninth round, Bucky. Yeah, yeah, absolutely uh, he did. And, and we'll talk about Dak Prescott in a second. The last thing I want to get to here in regards and sort of what you're saying here, Dalton Schultz was Team Two's choice at the 902. The receivers that went after him in the ninth round: Michael Thomas, Zay Flowers, Jahan Dotson, or Jahan Dotson. My apologies to the Dotson family. Cortland Sutton and Quentin Johnston, all players that I think you can make a better case for 
for team two's team structure at this point better than Dalton Schultz. We shall see how it ends up. But yeah, we're we're not huge fans of it right now. Um, I want to um, bring up what uh, who was it? Nick? Oh, Nick Costantino, the the back to back FFPC main event co champion, bringing up. He thinks it's interesting how all the elite tight ends end up on the front side of the draft, and he's right. Kelsey, Hawkinson, Pitts, Andrews, Kittle, all those guys went to team five or to the left. So all, all those guys went to teams one through five. And then you look at the right side of the board here, and yeah, we, we had Goddard and Waller roll in the fifth round of team six and team seven. But team 11's already loaded up on two tight ends and Kincaid and Dulcich. Uh, team 12, we talked about David and Joku. Farrell, if you were in this draft and you are on the right side of the board and you're seeing all the purple lean towards the left side of the board, how do you handle that? Do you try to get somebody here, take a stab at somebody? Do you try to take a stab at a multiple at, at multiple guys here? Or do you just like, you know what, screw it. They're all taking them over there. I'm going to load up on running backs and receivers and see what happens. The time's running out. If you've got a stack, I could, there's certain players that would match with your stack. I would not be in that situation because this is the FFPC where I've been told for a long, long time in all of high-stakes fantasy football – that you can't win if you go early quarterback or early tight end, and God forbid if you go early for both of them. But the guys that went early for both of them, all of them seemed to win last year. And I mm-hmm. seemed to do better with my teams when I had a stud quarterback and at least one or two tight ends. So I wouldn't have fallen into that situation. I see Team 11 with what they're doing here. They're adding two tight ends uh, Kincaid and Dulcis, and there's some big question marks there. And I think if you're going to add tight ends like that, you're going to have to draft four, which is not a problem. And I so when if, if Team Eleven agrees with me and they start stacking them up, the guys in the middle are going to be hurting. But there's still some tight ends on the board that'll catch sixty passes, and so so far we're we're going to be okay. Uh, you know, at that position, I look at. Uh, I, again, my thoughts turned to Team 9. I, I didn't necessarily agree with their 10th-round pick, but, um, you know, it's it's one injury away, so to speak, I guess. But the um, it'll be real interesting to see what tight end uh, they take. I got, a, I got an idea about who it might be. Mm-hmm. Farrell, I, I might be showing my age and my um, my my non-memory of this. Hell, movie. you don't know Georgie Jessel. No, no, no. We're not. Uh, this is not a Georgie Jessel. This is not. We've moved on from Georgie Jessel. Let, let me ask you this. It's been nearly 70 years since the James Dean movie Rebel Without a Cause came out. Did you ever see Rebel Without a Cause? Yeah, and parts of it over many years and completely at least two or three times. Now, was there not a game of chicken in that movie? Yeah, right? there was. Yeah, yeah there was, right? We don't really talk about a game of chicken in in any respect, right? In, in the walks of life, right? whether it be a sociology uh, standpoint, an automotive standpoint. We're seeing it play out right now from a fantasy football standpoint. Where Team are we seven. seeing it? Team seven, the Huggers, okay? Mm-hmm. No quarterback. Team yeah. 10, FPI, the former KFFSC main, main event champs. They don't do quarterback. No quarterback. They are playing a game of quarterback chicken. Mm-hmm. And – the huggers just slammed on the gas here with the Sam Laporta pick at the 1107 tonight. It is on FPI. If you are in a game of quarterback chicken in a fantasy pros championship draft, what do you do at this point? Are you still waiting for the other guy to make a move or are you buying in like, okay, I got to get somebody at this point. 
Well, there's more than just somebody at this point. And these guys probably have consulted the schedule. Uh, not always this early, something you can do successfully, but they might have consulted the schedule uh, to come up with their guys. And, uh, you know, uh, well, Cousins is still available. Or he might be the most elite of this group that's still available. Mm-hmm. There's some guys that can deliver the ball. And I look at some of this, uh, the, the stacks that are going, that, that potential could have. Yeah, quarterbacks, There, there's plenty of quarterbacks still to go around. The other thing I, I forgot to bring up to, and 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 now it's a moot point because oh my uh, god, look who F- number ten FBI has just cashed in on it. And Farrell, we have to do this. We're going to get this segment sponsored, by the way, on the HSFF Hour, the Irv Smith section of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. The last team to draft the tight end tonight was indeed Larson and Petri from the ten spot, and it was the incomparable Irv Smith, a guy I know you have a spot in your heart for. How big or how small that is. We'll let this audience that is watching this show tonight, we'll let them decide. But Irv Smith is your tight end one. Man, even I can't support that. Uh, he's a tight end that is a good football player, a six foot two inch tight end at Cincinnati uh, with the other players. He'll catch 32 passes this year. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. what it is 32. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll get most of them early to tease you about it. You know, he'll. We'll now, be sitting at 15 around game five. So 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 now here's the question um with, with Irv Smith here. Farrell with, with FPI drafting, and now they're on the clock here at the 1203. Okay, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. This is gonna set up my question perfectly for you. Who are you a bigger fan of as their number one player at the position? Irv Smith at tight end or Tua Tungavailoa as their number one quarterback? Mm-hmm. Tua as their number one quarterback. That's a good choice. It's not the choice. Um you know, and I could have lived with it. Um, I, I could have lived with Tua earlier and a different tight end later. It wouldn't have affected their draft. Um, I, I probably also could have lived with the fact that they gamble and not take Tua there, and they, they double up on tight end because they're going to need it. And I, I've got – Bonky, I'll throw it to you. Who are the three tight ends that you like best? Oh, Farrell, okay. Like, hold on. That are still on the board right now? Yeah, yeah, because we don't need to. We know who the three we like best. Okay, so. There we one of them. There we one of them. So I'm going to tell you this, like right now, and this is not probably going to be very popular, but at this point you're in the 12th round. I like Luke Musgrave. I I think what I've seen from him in the OTAs uh, in in Green Bay has been impressive, and I'd be on board with drafting him as as far as like a number two or a number three tight end, given what your your status in life looks like at the tight end position at this point. After that, I don't know if there's anybody that that stands out to me that that hasn't been drafted. Um, You're looking at, you know, Jasicki. Has he been picked yet? No, he has not. Okay, so Jasicki is interesting because – he goes to a brand new opportunity um, in New England where he is going to be out on the field a lot more than he was in Miami. He caught 35 he, balls last year. Right. And, but, and, but the year before that, he was approaching a great situation. He's in a great situation. Right. Uh, and, and Gerald Everett was one of the tight ends I liked. Uh, I was I was interested to see what uh, – I guess I'm a little fixated on team number nine here tonight, and, and I like both their tight ends. Uh, there's one more that I was surprised mm-hmm. that they didn't uh, that they didn't draft. I think um, uh, McBride is interesting. How many how many guys have we talked to Farrell on this show 
the last month or so that that have been talking about, you know, who's the guy that you like in drafts late? Oh, McBride for me. Now I've talked mm-hmm. to some Ertz guys lately too, but those Ertz guys are always saying like, well, a perfect example was Billy Musio on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show last night. He said, you know, he's talking about like why he's been drafting Zach Ertz a lot. Part of that was he didn't believe that Zach Ertz was going to be a Cardinal all season. And if that's the case, that doesn't necessarily hurt Trey McBride all that much. So I like McBride at that point. Um, I, Isaiah Likely, I know, is, is a guy that's picking up steam. And Jake Ferguson, too, uh, from, from my UW Badgers, uh, yes. who is probably going to be the starting tight end for the Dallas Cowboys this year over the vaunted and, and hated, um, the, the always respected but never feared Michigan Wolverines. Mm. Who, uh, he, uh, Schoenmaker is now going to be in Dallas this year. So I think Ferguson is the guy to own this year in, as far as tight ends go. But as uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak is pointing out right now in this draft, we have 21 tight ends off the board. Everett has been chosen for Farrell. Jasicki has been chosen for me. There are still lots of good tight ends left uh, to go as we are in the middle of the uh, of the 12th round here in the Fantasy Pros Championship live draft. Again, all 12 of these you players. Know, you know who's laughing all the way to the bank? Team Which number team? two is sitting there going, yeah, you guys are talking about tight ends now, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're looking for a tight end. You know how, how sweet it is. You know, you know what's crazy about team two is we look at that squad, and I wonder, and we got a ton of people in the YouTube chat right now and obviously watching on Twitter and Facebook. I wonder how many positive comments we'd hear about team two had they gone with Patrick Mahomes over Jalen Hurts because then they get the Kelsey Mahomes stack. They still have Hawkinson, who should catch a boatload of balls in Minnesota, especially if last year was any indication. So I think you you look at it from that standpoint, all those running backs in the middle, filling the cracks of receiver. Um, you know, Jamison Williams obviously out for the first six weeks. That's going to stink. Romeo Dobbs is getting a lot of buzz here in Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, as I follow the Packers here very closely, Adam Thielen is probably going to be the de facto number one receiver in Carolina. You could do a lot worse at receiver than Team 2 did, given the construction in the first seven rounds. So we're quick to dismiss, but at the same point, uh, standpoint, Farrell, you and I have seen a lot of weird different team constructions win in this league. Team two could be building another one here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see what they do. They, you know, they've got a lot of rounds and a lot of yellow stickers to put on our uh, virtual board here. So uh, yeah. but I, I want to go back. You were talking about team nine just shortly ago, right? Yeah, yeah I'm fixated on team nine. So tell me why you're fixated on this squad who is drafting from the nine spot tonight. It's They waited on quarterback and tight end. They get a couple of players late. The running backs and receivers are loaded. Tell us a little bit about why you like or why you're paying attention to Team 9 so much tonight, Carol. Well, they, they, didn't, they didn't draft a tight end, and they got two guys that I very, very much liked. And then I was hoping that they might go ahead and complete their stack with Ferguson, and I was tempting them a little bit. Uh, to go with Prescott, and that's who they went with. Mm-hmm. And and they, they got one of my favorite players at the running back. And, you know, we talk about the Walker going in the seventh round is, is, or sixth round or fifth round, seventh last year, fifth round right now, is being a value. I believe Isaiah Pacheco is a fantastic value in the seventh round, and he's on there close. I just like what they're doing as a team. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I think that the thing, and I don't know, I, like I have not talked to enough people about this, but I wonder if there is, is some sort of trepidation with drafting a Chiefs running back, be it Pacheco or Clyde Edwards-Alaire late, uh, Jarek McKinnon, obviously, with his pass-catching prowess and his nose for the goal line. I wonder if there is some trepidation with drafting a guy like Pacheco because 
Dalvin Cook is a free agent because mm. Leonard Fournette is still out there because the former rushing champion Kareem Hunt is still out there. Ezekiel Elliott is still floating on the free agent wire. And I wonder if these quasi undecided running back rotations are making people feel weird about drafting a guy like Pacheco. Quite frankly, you could lump Rashad White into that as well. There's and, and Tony Pollard, obviously not tonight in tonight's draft because he went at the 112. But these are the things that are going through high-stakes fantasy football players' minds because we're drafting in June, 20, uh, June uh, 23rd tonight of 2023. You can get a lot of value in your position if you hit these right, but I still think there are people drafting out of fear, and we never recommend that. It's... Um... Yeah, we don't want to draft out of fear, and it, but it remains a mystery. It's one of the closest guarded mysteries about where these running backs are going. Because you know, I I speak week, two weeks ago on the show, I I was buying and punching Dalvin Cook's ticket to Miami, mm-hmm. and I still think that's true. But uh, another player agent told me this week. He says, you know, they assure me that they are comfortable with the guys they have now at Miami. And by the way, there's some news because those guys haven't been drafted yet. But I am in a situation where, uh, you know, another guy swears Cooks to Denver. Well, who's, you know, uh, their general manager's in Costa Rica this week and, and, and nobody's doing any deals while George is down there. So oh. it, it, where where's the money going to come from? So it, we're in a situation uh, that, that that's just the big mystery. And I think you cross your fingers and pick those players because they're talented and they're going to find a landing spot, and they're going to be very, very good. You know, the the Huggers have drafted a quarterback finally. I think they are the last team to draft a quarterback tonight. The Huggers are taking as quarterback 12 tonight at the 12.06 – Anthony Richardson. Why not? Farrell, not well, okay. So so this is what I'm leading into here. This, they were the last team to take a signal caller. This is to win a million dollars. They already had at that point two tight ends. They had four wide receivers drafted in the sixth round, and they had five running backs in the roster, including Javante Williams and Dalvin Cook, and quite frankly, Alvin Kamara and Tank Bigsby, who could be big boom type players. Um, and what do you make of the Huggers pick? or the Huggers team at seven tonight, because I feel like this is not necessarily the blueprint to win a closed 12 team league, but it definitely could be a blueprint to win a million dollar contest like the fantasy pros championship. Okay. You so you, you look at Richardson and you say, who's the quarterback on the board that could do the most. They could have the, there could be a, a Jalen hurts 2.0 in his first year. And it would, it would be Richardson. And, and I, uh, people want to talk about his lack of uh, starts in, in college, and I don't think it, that means much. He's just an incredible athlete. Um, I know his quarterback coach, the man tells me he's ready, and that's good enough for me. Let's see who they put. They may have a veteran that, or maybe two veterans that they can put with Richardson that's going to play in through games eight or nine, going to have some good matchups through games eight or nine, that they can put on the field as Richardson develops and works out some of, of his uh, early season rookie quarterback situations, which, you know, he'll have them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, why not? That's If you're going to win a contest, get a guy that, at the quarterback that can project huge, huge numbers, and he's one of them. You know, one of the other things you should point out here too, Farrell, in our um, uh, analysis of Team 7 tonight, the Huggers did take Anthony Richardson in the 12th round. They also got Michael Pittman. 
mm-hmm. uh, tonight in the in the sixth round, coming back at the six oh six. Is a Richard? Well, that's the thing. It's like is the Richardson Pittman stack something that you should be looking at because it is so cheap to get as the huggers proved tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, our beloved uh, uh, Jay Reed will talk about. Uh, how Michael Pittman caught 99 passes. If you go to most fantasy players and you say, how many passes Pittman catch last year? They'll try to tell you 75. It's a quiet 99 because they only got four or five touchdowns. In this offense, so much of it runs through him. That's what we talked about with Diggs. Uh, Jay Reed wants to point out he got 144 targets to get those 99 catches. Well, you've got to get uh, those massive targets to be a number one wide receiver in this league. That, that's you like that. We're going to see hell at Dallas. Diggs may approach 200 targets this year. Uh-huh. It's uh, <laughs> read the Gerzel's comment right here. Uh, <laughs> he said he's kidding. Like Richardson and Pittman no, no, combined for at least no, four no, there's, there's a there's a, an inkling of truth in all humor. That's what makes it funny. And uh, yeah. Uh, the Dave obviously sees the uh, sees the Colts as a between the twenties team, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I don't see the value there coming in the end zone. But I see Pittman catching a lot of balls for this team. You know, uh, the other thing that we'll point out to Rich Bill, you pointing out uh, from Team Ooh. Twelve, a team that we have talked about a lot tonight. Obviously, ever since the Pollard pick at the one uh, at the one twelve, they get Alexander Madison tonight at, at the six oh one. But then they sealed it up with Ty Chandler and Dwayne McBride here in the 12th and 13th round uh, to really hammer down – or I beg your pardon, the 13th and 14th round to really hammer down that Vikings running back combo. Farrell, what do you make of investing three players essentially at the same position in uh, on one team when you're trying to beat out thousands of other teams for a $1 million grand prize? Is this something you'd be on board with drafting in June 23rd? Uh, June 23rd, or is this something that you think is better suited for later drafts and not necessarily right now? It's nonsensical now. It's nonsensical later. This is why you have a a free agent bidding balance. You know, don't waste your draft pick, waste your bidding balance and go go out there and bid for the players. Uh, The, uh, no, I don't like this strategy. Yeah. I mean, the the thing is like, I, I can, I can get on board for a handcuff. Like normally I was always Mr. Handcuff over the years. Like I always like, if I'm drafting Aaron Foster, I'm getting Ben Tate. It, you know, whoever, whatever it was, I always had to get the handcuff. You may be old enough to remember Georgie Jessel after all. You know? I'm not, not, not quite that old. Not quite Jeez. that old. But, but I, will, I, I will say this. Like um, I, I, I won a lot of closed 12 team leagues that way. I won 0.00 national contest that way as Dean Vernon Wormer would say, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. And that's the way I went through my drafts. Is, and is as, you, as you introduce friends to high-stakes fantasy football, so those are some of the habits that um, you, you have to communicate to them about because, yeah, mm-hmm. you'll see that. You'll you'll see the third-string quarterback. Yeah, you know, it's the time we take our third quarterback now. You know, you, know, you, yeah. you just don't take one. You know, that's not what we're doing. And, and we'll get into BipLab Mandel with that in probably about, I, I would say, 20, 25 minutes here or so. But I think that that is a, you know, when people talk to me about like, oh, bulky, you know, I've, I've played in my home league for years. Uh, I was thinking about joining the FFPC Fantasy Pros or whatever. What am I in for? And I, and I always say, and Alex Kaganovsky says this all the time. He knows he's forgotten more about fantasy football than I'll ever know. But I'll say this. Like there, there is a perceived massive step 
from drafting in your home league to the fantasy pro championship or the FFPC main event. That's perceived. It is not reality. It is not actual. Uh, even in the Kentucky fantasy football state championship, you're, you are looking at a minuscule step. If you've been successful in your home league over the last couple of seasons, I think you could be very successful in high stakes fantasy football as well. And I think that that, that is one of the things you have to get past. And, and it's something that I've struggled with for years and I don't struggle with anymore. Don't focus necessarily on your handcuff. You're trying to beat out thousands of other teams. Focus on other people's handcuffs. And, yeah, and that's, no, that's no, the no, issue no. I have with Team 12 here, right, it, no, is no. if I have Madison, I'm married to Madison here. I don't need to be loading up on Chandler. I don't need to be loading up on McBride. Maybe that helps me win my league, and maybe I get to the championship round, and that's all fine and good, and maybe I got a shot. And maybe I win it off that. But for me, I want to take chances. I want to increase variance as much as possible, and that's why I'd be taking other players. You know, you look at some of the other guys that are going there. Zamir White in Las Vegas with all the pub he's getting. I think I'd rather have him. Ezekiel Elliott still doesn't have a team. He's an interesting guy. I think I might like have him. I think that there, there are a lot of people sleeping on Chase Brown in Cincinnati this year. I think I might rather have him. I know for sure I'd rather have him than McBride here if I'm in that situation where I have Madison. And I think that's the thing you need to get through your head. It seems weird. This is one of the weird things um, when you shift over from your basement league, your office league, your friends and family league, to shift over to high stakes fantasy football or, or high stakes fantasy football, it seems weird, but it actually is the way to go. And it's been very profitable for a lot of high stakes players. You made me a believer, Balky. Uh, Jay Reed is in Jay Reed is in our chat room. And Jay Reed says Pittman will have a regression. And he, he could well be so. But what I need from Jay Reed is numbers. I don't I, mm. I need to know, Jay, how many receptions Pittman this year. We, we're coming off 99. We agree that a regression is likely. How? What are we talking about in numbers, Jay? That's what I really got to know. Yeah, let's and, focus on that. Uh, uh, I, I want to hear the exact number. Like I gave you thirty-two. I gave you thirty-two uh, uh, catches for the for the Bengals tight end. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a number. That's as specific as you can get. And those guys are those guys are up right now. Uh, they 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 got a chance to draft another tight end. Yeah, they did. They, they got they got another one. They got another one. Irv Smith and Trey McBride. Have you talked about Farrell? I, I, it blends all together. Have you talked about Trey McBride uh, versus Zach Ertz in Arizona this year? Do you have a feeling on one or the other? Well, I, I don't have any information, so I don't have any feeling. I, I think it's hard to get a competitor like Ertz off the field if his body will answer it. I think it's hard to keep a talent like McBride off the field. But guess what? They're playing in Arizona, an organization that has not impressed me that they're going to make a lot of decisions. You know, they could have a choice here of two decisions, and and, and either one would be the wrong one based on mm-hmm. what they're doing. We have, we have another player here on the same team. Uh, Rondell Moore was, was – picked by our friends in the 13th round. And, uh, you know, he won't even uh, – Irv Smith may not get a lot of targets, but he's likely to drop more balls than Rondell Moore catches. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> this is not a team in Arizona uh, that, that, you can, that you can predict great success uh, for the players there. And, and so uh, in, in Dynasty, I'm hanging on to both those players. I, I think they – you know, Bride's got a wonderful career in front of him. Uh, but, man, it sure will be interesting when we get to see it. 
I, it will be interesting uh, for sure. What do you make, Farrell? This is something I always ask Dave the Dizzle Gerzak when we were covering live drafts, when we have a run go off. And we saw a run go off, and I can't remember who commented on the on the YouTube chat. We had a mini QB run going off yeah. in the uh, 12th, uh, beg your pardon, the 14th round tonight. Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and Geno Smith. Now, all four of those guys were backups um, for the teams that drafted them. Do you have a favorite among those between Smith and Rodgers and obviously Cousins and Daniel Jones going off in the 14th round? Uh, Cousins is my favorite amongst the talent and, and team with Prescott. That seems to be uh, a really winning combination. Geno Smith makes a lot of sense for the Anthony Richardson guys. That's the kind of quarterback that I would want to see in that pairing. Um, Aaron Rodgers has a very high ceiling this year with what he's going to do. And Daniel Jones will improve, but will he improve enough? Uh, he had made a big, big jump last year in, in, in fantasy point scoring. Uh, it, there's nothing wrong with any of those, those picks. And, and, uh, you know, if you talk to FPI, they may find, uh, Tua and Jones interchangeable, um, I think those are gutsy picks, to, to be honest. I like those picks. I, I want to go back um, to um, – uh, where was that? Where did I want to go with this one here, Farrell, in, in this draft? Um, as far as um, uh, team construction goes, did you have uh, – like, obviously, when you're looking at, at, at uh, Dak Prescott, I know you were a big fan of his. If you drafted him in round nine, like Team 9 did – would you have backed him, him up with Kirk Cousins as quick as the 14th round? I know you like Kirk Cousins, but this is more of a commentary on what you would do with Prescott because he has been slipping in Fantasy Pros Championship drafts lately. Would you go to battle with him and then maybe take a chance on a quarterback late, or do you have to back him up with a guy like Kirk Cousins in the 14th? I love what those guys are doing and, and what they did with Prescott. However, once they took Prescott, there wasn't another quarterback that went off the board until the middle of the 12th round. Mm -hmm. So uh, – they could have possibly waited and got some other position players. But, I, okay, so Prescott, your real question is would I have taken Cousins? So they said, so Balky, we're going 14, we're going left to right, correct? It was Smith, Rogers, and then Cousins. Is well, 14th, we are going right to left. We're going we're going right to left. So then, Jones, Cousins, Rogers, Smith is how it went. I may not have there because uh, I, I think there are some interesting – uh, receivers that have gone since then, and and I think perhaps this team could use one. But you know what? It it doesn't matter. They have two quarterbacks now that will throw over uh, the potentiality of throwing over four thousand yards and a lot of touchdowns. They're in good shape, quarterback. So right. you know, there's nothing wrong with their uh, there. There's nothing wrong with what they've done in their construction. Frying Pan Inc., a.k.a. FPI, um, ended up taking Daniel Jones, who we've been talking about here tonight, to back up to a tongue of Iloa. Daniel Jones going off the board at the 14.03. Rich Bilyeu wants to know, do you think, Farrell, that Daniel Jones is going to continue to get rush yards on design runs? And quite frankly, um, if you do think that, is it enough to make him worthwhile, maybe more so than some of those other quarterbacks, not named Kirk Cousins, since you already said you like Cousins best out of those four? I do, but I've got to see him get into the neighborhood of 25 to 30 touchdown passes, and then I feel that his design runs can be meaningful to me. The design runs right now are, are just supplementing what he should be doing in the passing game. Now, he's got the receivers to do it. I, what is a designed run for Daniel Jones? It's when he decides to pull it and run it. 
and that's a situation that uh, sometimes I think in the in the sidelines in the coaching room of, of the Giants that they're trying to get him to get away from. Do I think he'll continue to do it? Yes, I do. Um, do I think that the Giants will try to keep him from doing it? That's going to be very much about what they talk about. Moving forward here in the uh, 17th round of the Fantasy Pros Championship that uh, draft that we are covering here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour live on YouTube, uh, Twitter, and Facebook for the FFPC. As a reminder, going forward, and I don't know if I've said this as a solid announcement yet, but we will be covering more and more Fantasy Pros drafts, not only on the HSFF Hour on Friday nights, but we're going to get into a lot of Fantasy Pros draft coverage on Tuesday nights with myself, uh, Aiden LaCorey and Dave Terpoli, as, and, and maybe Terp will participate in more like he did on Tuesday. In case you missed that broadcast, go back and watch it on the FFPC YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Fantasy. You can watch the full hour and a half of, of how Terp, in my opinion, drafted a pretty solid team that night. And we'll have much more of those going forward as we get closer and closer to Las Vegas. By the way, we are less than two weeks away from the FFPC main event slow drafts launching. So if you are interested in winning a million dollars, you should be interested in winning a million dollars. You can do so at myffpc.com, not only in the main event, but in the Fantasy Pros Championship as well. We are headed into the 18th round here of the Fantasy Pros Championship draft. Again, all 12 of these drafters drafting for a million-dollar grand prize tonight. We're seeing some tight ends being loaded up here with Team 12. Now, they waited to draft one until round eight when they got David and Joku Farrell. When I wait in a tight end premium format on a tight end, I usually like to go back-to-back. -back. Team 12 did not do that. In fact, they waited all, all the way down to round 16 to draft Jelani Woods. They get Isaiah Likely, which I think is a very good pick in round 18 tonight. But your thoughts on if you wait on tight end in this format – don't you need to get a second one right away, or can you afford to wait even more and draft uh, draft another two late? Yeah, and, and the, the the error that they made here to answer your question, yes, especially mm -hmm. if it's Njoku, who's tremendous talent, but it's largely unproven. But the numbers that you're going to need to win here, you're going to need a sixty catch tight end at least to get you that 1.5. I don't care how much he scores, but he's going to need to catch some balls. And it, it amazes me that uh, which team uh, picked up Hayden Hurst here in the 17th round. Uh, Hayden, Hayden Hurst, yeah, Hayden Hurst in, in the 17th went to team uh, eight, and that was uh, Matthew Stack's KB. I forget his name now. It's like KB1234. I'm going to look it up right now. It's K, KTMB1234. They get Hayden Hurst in the 17th. Well, good for them because they've got three tight ends now. They just picked their best one in the 17th round. This will be the guy that they play. And Hayden Hurst is a good quality ball-catching tight end who can rumble a little bit with the ball. He gets better as you get closer to the, uh, the goal line. And if I'm drafting now with these tight ends, I'm going to ask myself, what does my quarterback need? Who needs Hayden Hurst the most? Well, he's a rookie quarterback. Um, what's the rookie quarterback lean on, Balky? You know, he leans on his tight end. And, and Hayden Hurst has proven he can catch the ball. He's going to be beneficial. He was in an offense. Let's let's throw him up against Irv Smith. We keep beating on Irv Smith. But does does Burrow need Irv Smith to catch passes to win? Where is he in the progressions? of? The I know game? your answer to that. I know. <laughs> so, so, you know, Hayden Hurst caught 50 balls last year just being a blocking tight end at Cincinnati. I congratulate this team for finding their best tight end 
in the 17th round. Uh, whereas uh, Jelani Woods is 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 a, a, a giant looking for a home in pass patterns. He's just sort of out there wandering, and he'll catch a ball against the third team safety in the preseason, and people will get excited about it. Uh, but he won't catch those balls if if you if you're thinking you're going to see a regression in Pittman. Uh, God bless what you can expect from Jelani Woods. There's a lot of throwing darts at the at the board, and I imagine a lot of these tight ends will be moving on and off rosters uh, as the season goes on. But you know, if you're going to wait on tight end, if you're going to not make it a priority, uh, you you know, keep that as your strategy. Just you know, I don't believe in the dart throws at the end of the draft because there's a lot of good players still available. Still available, indeed. One of them just went off the board. That was the Washington Commanders defense in the 19th round. Two team, two. We've been talking about his team all night. Let's welcome up aboard right now, Dalloway from the KCH Deacons. It is former guest of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Dallas Grimes. Welcome aboard, my friend. So excited to talk to you tonight about this squad that you have built from the second spot. And I guess we'll get into it right away here, the, the pick that everybody was talking about early. You had Travis Kelsey. You decided to go Jalen Hurts over Patrick Mahomes. Can you bring us through that decision, my friend? Yeah, I just view Hurts as a safer floor. And, uh, you know, I know everybody appreciates the stack. By the way, I'm in Lubbock, Texas, home of Texas Tech. Woohoo! We love Mahomes, but when he doesn't hit on – on those few nights that he doesn't hit Kelsey, um, I just could see a sucking win there. So I, I just view Jalen Hurts as a safer floor with the rushing stats and that solid offensive line. Um, so that's why we did that. And and it makes sense. I, I, and, and I think like that, I don't want to say either one of these picks are polarizing, but I think just another one that got just as much of attention here, Dallas, for you in the 302, you have the opportunity to take a receiver running back here. You take a second tight end and Darren Armani confirmed to us tonight in the fantasy pros championship. This is the first time a team started off tight end, quarterback, tight end. You get Hawkinson there. Can you explain why you wanted to go with Hawkinson there over some of the other receivers and running backs that were still available available to you? Yeah, so the blueprint was to go Kelsey Andrews Hurts. Uh, when Team 5 took Andrews, we took we took Hurts and then kind of waited at the turn to see what would shake out, maybe possibly T. Higgins. But then I got to just basically – Hawkinson's going to catch so many balls. We feel like he would um, – just volume, um, while we're not excited necessarily about the yards or anything, volume should should help us out there if he stays healthy. The other thing is, you know, I just think there's a lot of evidence that you've got to take two tight ends in the first six rounds. I, I think I, I got wind of that last year, just looking through some stuff. And mm-hmm. I just think there's a history of two tight ends in the first six rounds is a proven uh, track re- record to success in the FFPC. The KCH Demons owned by uh, Deacons, excuse me, owned by Dallas Grimes, drafting from the second spot tonight. You end up with uh, you pound running backs after that: Mixon, Sanders, Montgomery, uh, Rashad Penny, and uh, and and then DT, who's chiming in in the YouTube chat right now. He wants to know Dallas, what are you going to do with receiver Jamison Williams? Obviously, in the eighth round, and then you pounded a bunch of them late. You must have high hopes for these receivers late. Well, I know I was catching flack early, but I think if you look at, at what we've got up top and then a solid group of running backs, which, by the way, traditionally these are not historically guys that I've favored, but I think David Montgomery and, and Miles Sanders behind pretty good offensive lines, along with Rashard Penny while he's healthy, um, I think there's a case to be made for those guys to save floors. I mm-hmm. also think Elijah Mitchell could be a lottery ticket. 
given McCaffrey's um, injury history. But, you know, when you pair all that, you know, we're just basically uh, trying to not take a zero or a dud with those receivers. So I think we've got some volume guys, uh, obviously outside of Jamison Williams. I'll also point out we're trying, we're pretty heavy on the Lions this year, and we've got some secondary parts of a Lions stack built with this group. I got the YouTube chat coming after me right now to fact check me. I misspoke. Darren Armani said it was the first time in the Fantasy Pros Championship that we have seen a team start with Kelsey, Hertz, and Hawkinson, not necessarily one quarterback and two tight ends. Uh, so my bad on that. Just want to put that out there, make sure I don't get my Twitter mentions lit up. I don't have the time <laughs> to respond to all those. Um, Dallas, when we look at your, your wide receivers here, starting in round eight all the way to round 18, do you have a favorite receiver of all those guys that you got drafted? I know I have mine. I like the Dobbs pick. I like the Thielen pick. I think Hodgins is, is very exciting there as well. Do you have a favorite receiver there that you got late? I love Jamison Williams, and I know I'm going to have to wait on him. But I, I think Isaiah Hodgins late last year, I just think for a, for a team that's built like this, I think he's a five for 50 guy. And if mm -hmm. he finds the end zone, then you're in the money. Okay. So. <laughs> and, and it, it makes it makes sense. You are coming up, my friend, on your okay. final pick. I'm assuming it's going to be a kicker here. We don't need to get in the minutia on that. But when you look at your team here and the way it shaped out and the way the draft came to you and your roster construction, F being the absolute worst possible draft you could make, A plus being I will never do it better than this the rest of the summer, how would you grade this team? Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a B plus and I'm optimistic about it. And I know everybody's not crazy. Uh, <laughs> Hawkinson was just kind of a, Hey, let's see what happens. And I'm big on Dalton Schultz as basically a very safe floor. But when you have Kelsey hurts, and then I think a pretty solid stable of running backs, uh, we'll just see what happens. You know, you're only going to start. You're only you're only going to start two wide receivers, and I think you can find your two five for fifties out of this bunch. And we haven't talked about Paris Campbell, uh, and, and you know, from here in the Midwest, there's a lot of people that that don't have a lot of respect for Paris Campbell's game. But when he has played and he has stayed, uh, when he has been healthy, he has contributed. And KJ Osborne is 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 a good target catcher. Um, in this game, I've never been a fan, but uh, lots of other people have. So yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I can I can see what you're doing, and I applaud it. And good luck to you. I, and and okay, so this is this is a great stat here, Dallas, and you're going to love this. Darren Armani last year, and he's already crunching the numbers. He's basically I don't want to say he's an intern on the show because he's already more talented than Farrell and I will ever be. But he pointed out 24 teams out of 15,000. Last year in this contest, took one receiver in the first 10 rounds and say, oh, my God, what a way to lose. You're just lighting $350 on fire. Well, as Lee, Lee Corso would say, and I think this is the second Lee Corso reference of the night, uh, not so fast, my friend. Six of those 24 teams made the championship round. That's 25%. Not bad, apparently, according to Darren Armani. I'm going to tell you, not bad, obviously, as you know what you are doing, Dallas Grimes. Thank you so much for chiming in tonight. Congratulations on a very good roster. We look forward to uh, covering you, your squad, uh, throughout the remainder of the summer. Be good, my friend. Thanks so much for stopping back. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You bet. You bet. Thank you. Dallas Grimes, ladies and gentlemen, chiming in tonight uh, on the High Stakes uh, Fantasy Football Hour. Always good to hear from that dude. Let's go to uh, – I want to get we, – we got our guests coming up here because the draft is wrapped up. We're going to get to Bitlab Mandel in a, uh, in a second, or will we get to him right now? I think we should get to him right now. Let's do that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, 
joining the airwaves as the Fantasy Pros Championship Draft that we covered live is now in the books, as the kids say, and it is part of history. Let's go with the guy who has won, in my estimation, the better part, maybe over, maybe a little bit under, six figures in the Fantasy Football Players Championship and in his high-stakes career as well. You follow him on Twitter, at underscore Bitcoin. It is the incomparable, once again, Biplab Mandel, gracing himself on these airwaves. We are eternally grateful to you, my friend. Welcome in, and uh, thanks for joining us, man. How was the draft tonight? Did you have fun? Yeah, it, it, it was fun and it was tough, but good to see you guys. I think it's 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 been a long time since I saw Too you long, and Too can't long. wait for Vegas. <laughs> um so so i want to get into this uh bit number one um and we're we're seeing an uptick in the number of teams in the the fantasy pros championship this year it just let, let's talk about it from a generic standpoint what has been your strategy in these national tournaments Be, and i and i centered on it with some of the teams that we we talked about tonight as, as we evaluated their roster you have to be able to adjust to to drafting a team that's going to be a thousand plus teams, as opposed to a team that's just going to beat out 11 teams. How do you adjust your strategy in this format? Yep. I mean, this year, my strategy is a little different. In fact, you know, I'm doing more zero RB drafts uh, if possible, because I really like some of the running backs later and I think they can click and not be in a dead zone. So, um, I have had a preference for, you know, pounding those receivers early. Uh, the other thing I've changed as a strategy this year is taking a quarterback early, given all the injuries and what happened last year. I got mm -hmm. burnt in some very good teams, you know, by not having a not having an elite quarterback early, right? So those have been a couple of uh, strategy changes from my side, but it depends where you are. Like, I will take McCaffrey, I will take Eckler. I've done teams where I have McCaffrey with Chubb and then even taken Ramondre if he was there in third and founded receivers later. But those are not the common strategies. And then obviously, you know, I'm trying to get a tight end um, until Waller. And if I'm not getting it, that's when I'm probably, so that's probably what, tight end seven or six. And otherwise, I'm waiting for tight ends later, right? So mm -hmm. that's been the strategy, I think, uh, that's that's where I like some of my roster constructions. Uh, if I reflect on all the drafts I've done this year, hmm. Biblab, how many drafts have you done this year? I don't know. Any idea? <laughs> I have to scroll and count. You lost so count. We're here in we're here in June, and you've lost count. You are one of the most prolific drafters. Yeah, I probably have over hundred teams, but a lot of folks on this uh, in this particular draft probably have the same number of teams. So that's why. It was a tough draft because there are players here who I draft against. And sometimes, you know, because of that, you probably have to reach and take a player because, you know, they also like them and it's not coming back, you know, if you are playing the EDP game. I, You know, you know people that don't draft as, as frequently as you do, I think sometimes they have their heart set on a player when they don't get him. They're very aggravated. I think one of your advantages is that there are so many players that, that you have to like, that you have to have values for, that you're win willing to reach on, uh, that makes playing that sort of a big key part of your high-stakes fantasy. With all the success that you've had, could you share with some of the listeners that don't have the opportunity to draft as much as you do 
to some of the things that you've learned over the years and, and what you think is going to continue to make uh, a champion as you move towards part of the FFPC's $6 million prize pool this year? Well, the biggest thing, uh, you know, two biggest things I have, I have learned, I would say one is diversification. So, uh, you know, sometimes uh, what happens is you like a player and that's great, but it doesn't mean that you should own that player over 50% or over 70% when you are chasing a million dollars. Because if you, so I like to have a strategy where I own somebody 25 to 30% and that's max because if that player really does well, I know I have enough teams to chase that goal and, and I should diversify because what, what I've learned is when injuries happen, like Cooper Cup last year, and, and if you all always drafted Cup and didn't take Justin Jefferson, um, it, it, it would have been a problem, right? So that's, that's one thing I've learned. The other thing I've... Uh, learned is you know you need to go out there with a flexible strategy right oops lost both of them oh no, no we're, we're good we're good we're good okay we're, we're oh. i just got like a cloud down here. sure so um the other thing uh is you know you have to go in there with an open mind you can't have a fixed strategy that you want to execute because there are so many good players and they might have the same strategy. So you have to have your zigzags uh, ready, you know, when, when you go into uh, these drafts. For example, today, you know, I was hoping that I get one of uh, Eckler or Cup over there, you know, and, and I got Cup, you know, Eckler went early, which I was surprised Eckler typically doesn't go early, right? Uh, so stuff like that, you know, and if I had taken Eckler, my draft would have been a different uh, build, you know, altogether. Uh, from what I have here, yeah. In regards to stacking, tonight we watched team number nine, and I, uh, I, I didn't particularly like the start they got off to, but when they begin to stack players, I begin to like the team more in this format. And I, I I'm more in best ball. I've, I've, I'm more inclined to stack, but in the in this format, sometimes I find myself when I'm not particularly thrilled with my start, I then begin to rely on the stack because I think that can give me an edge. If you found that your teams where you have stacked players have been successful over yeah. the years more than others. Yeah, absolutely. Farrell. So a couple of years back, I think uh, when I finished, you know, two years in a row in a main event, top 10 finishes back to back years, and I go back and look at those teams or the other teams I've had in top 20 or top 30, they were all stacked, right? Mm -hmm. And with FFPC, if, if we all pay attention, every year the number of teams are increasing, right? So the importance of stacks uh, uh, even goes up. I, I don't think I don't think you're going to win these tournaments easily without a stack. Now, what is different from best ball, I will tell you, is you probably don't need to play correlations or you probably don't need a lot of overstacking, you know, unlike best ball, right? For example, right, if I, I got Mahomes with Tony here, in a best ball, I would prefer getting a Sky Moore or, or even a, you know, a wild swing at Justin Ross or, 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 or MVS later because, you know, they will have the spike weeks, right? But here, yes. you need to choose your roster and there's no point keeping two of them on the bench, right? 
Uh, that's that's where I think it is little different. Uh, otherwise, I still feel you can't win without stack, and that's one reason why I took uh, I stacked Mahomes with Tony, and I stacked uh, you know a late flyer Jaden Reed with Jordan Love, who I only need in week ten when Mahomes has a bye. Dallas Goddard, your your thoughts on this player? We only played in twelve games last year. You extrapolate the figures for a complete season. They're good numbers. In this offense, do you think they lean into him uh, a little more this year? I he's, Let me ask the question in a different way. I think if he had been on the field in the later part of the year, we would have seen more production from him late than we saw early. Is that yes. feasible? Yes, I, I do think so. In fact, you know, a lot of fantasy owners may not agree with me, but at the ADP AJ Brown is going, I'm actually not taking AJ Brown a lot there. Not that I don't like him, but I would rather have Amonra St. Brown or Garrett Wilson, who might finish even above AJ Brown. Because again, my belief is Devante Smith takes a big step this year in, in, in that offense. And uh, Brown is probably going to see more looks. He's had an injury history. And then if Brown goes down, what I like about Goddard is the ADP. Like Goddard and Hawkinson last year was fifth and sixth round. Hawkinson has now moved up to third round. And and here's the deal with Minnesota. I really like Jordan Addison. So there's some targets that's going to go there than Hawkinson, right? So I would rather have Dallas Goddard in fifth round. I do like Kyle Pitts later, and I do like George Kittle with Brock Purdy starting. If Purdy doesn't start, I don't like Kittle that much, right? So those are the three guys in, I target late fourth, fifth, and it helps with my zero RB build or or flexibly where I want to go. Like in this draft, you know, it was tough drafting next to uh, Todd, you know, Hovers, because he sniped me on Drake London. That was my pick. Um, Dobbins was my second choice, and I would have taken London in a heartbeat because a uh, receiver run was happening i i couldn't mm -hmm. uh, and he probably knows you know we like similar players uh, so he sniped me there and uh, then i had to change my strategy right but i would have rather taken london there gone uh, goddard and then pounded running backs later so let me ask you this bit um you, you talked about drake london being sniped on you there you took dobbins now you had the opportunity to draft aaron jones joe mixon miles sanders still out there what stood out to you about J.K. Dobbins over those other running backs there in the fourth round? So I I actually like how Dobbins finished last year, Falky, in, in, in that offense, had a mm -hmm. couple of over 100 years game, finally was starting to look healthy. And I really like that offense this year, right, with Lamar Jackson and, you know, Zay Flowers and Odell and, you know, others on that team. So for me, it's about, the upside in the championship week with Aaron Jones, you know, my bigger concerns always is workload and getting hurt and, and how productive he can be on the other side of the season. You know, um, obviously Packers are starting a new quarterback. Um, we have to see how love clicks. I still feel love will be good. There will be a lot of check downs. Both the running backs would, would do well. And then, you know, it goes back to ownership. I don't have a lot of Dobbins, I have a lot of Jones, right? So it, mm -hmm. it goes back to that. Um, you know, weirdly, I realized this draft when I started, the last draft I did where you were talking about Turf, uh, the team at six, John Terry that day had a similar start. So I didn't want to take Aaron Jones because he had Aaron Jones there. So this was my chance to break away and, and do something different. Again, I watch, you know, all those boards and, and try to, um, you know, just 
play the piece, pieces together. So mm-hmm. that, that was the strategy. And I liked Dobbins, so, you know. Yeah, and obviously, I think a lot of people do. Viplev Mandel uh, joining us tonight on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, fresh off of drafting in the sixth spot here in the uh, Fantasy Pros Championship draft that Farrell and I just covered for the last hour and a half. Vip, I want to go through your team drafting from the sixth spot. Rashad White, I know I just asked you about uh, a running back in J.K. Dobbins. I want to ask you about Rashad White here in the sixth round. There is still a non-zero chance that Tampa Bay adds to that backfield, whether it be Elliott or, or Fournette. Coming back to that team as well, Dalvin Cook's still out there, Kareem Hunt's still out there. Does the risk outweigh, um, or did, I, I should say this, does the reward outweigh the risk here in the sixth round when you draft a guy like Rashad White, knowing that his role might be neutered a little bit if they add somebody? But if they don't, man, to get him in the sixth round here in June, that's something you might want to take advantage of for FFPC drafts. Yep, I'm hoping we get checked down Baker. But Rashad White, you know, what we saw last year, he caught 50 passes with Leonard Fournette, right? And think about it. Tom Brady, you know, trusted him, right? All these veteran quarterbacks, Brady, Rodgers, if you can't pass protect, they don't want you out there, right? They don't trust you easily. He looked like a pro. You know, I mean, I, I, I really like the tape. I really am a Rashad White fan. And what I'm banking on is that 50 becomes... 70 passes caught this year. You know, the the, the more uh, bad an offense or a team is, I feel pass-catching backs can get a check down and and give you that one PPR point that you need. So that's the thought there. I'm taking Rashad White this year in the sixth round. I mean, Swift, I like Swift, but he has some injury concerns. But then, you know, I, I look at David Montgomery. He has Jameer Gibbs there. I look at Connor. You know, he's one year older. Who knows what mm-hmm. happens to that team? Um, and and Cook is older. You know, I loved Cook at Minnesota, but he's older, right? So I would rather take the younger uh, running back with the potential to catch 70 passes. So it's it's all about the upside there, Valky. If he gets hurt, doesn't click, not a big deal. There's always waiver to find someone. By week three, a lot of running backs are hurt. It was upside for you for Rashad White. Was it also upside with you for Kadarius Toney? Because I know it's been wheels up for a lot of high-stakes players over the course of drafting season. Now I'm seeing some pushback in the industry a little bit. Like, well, let's just take a closer look at what Kadarius Toney does or doesn't do well. And you look at Kadarius Toney here in the seventh round. Yeah, maybe you're not counting on him to be a top-two receiver for you this year. But there's some upside there. Is the upside what made him so attractive there as you were looking to build up that wide receiver room? Well, upside and a no-brainer for my stack. I took Mahomes in the third round. So I was surprised, you know, he fell to the seventh round. I think he's going late sixth. Uh, I was more worried Team 2 would take him, you know, with with the build that Team 2 started and also to correlate with Kelsey. But Team 2 didn't do that, right? So I, I was taking him there. Now, if this was if this was not a draft where I had Mahomes, George Pickens would have been a consideration. I really like George Pickens, you know, and, and what he did. I think he can beat out Deontay Johnson this year. So that would have been a consideration, but it was an easy decision for me. Like the pick was ready, you know, with Mahomes being my starting quarterback. I, and, 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 and he's my wide receiver three. I, I, I have two PPR monster uh, receivers, you know, at the top, Wardle and Cup. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And, and when you start off a draft with receiver, receiver, you know kind of what you're going to be attacking in the in the next third of the draft, the first half of the draft, obviously. When I get to your to, to the middle part of, uh, of the draft here, let's just focus on Elijah Moore, the second pick 
after Kadarius Tony. I know there, there's um, some DPJ people out there. There's some David Bell people out there. Elijah Moore is a guy uh, in Cleveland that has a huge opportunity to be the number two wide receiver, at least maybe the number two target for Deshaun Watson this year. And I feel like I, I keep hearkening back to upside here, but this is another guy in Elijah Moore here in the in the uh, eighth round bit that could really help you win a lot of serious cash at the end of the season. Absolutely. And, you know, the three, surprisingly, they went in that order. Elijah Moore, Jordan Addison, and Gabe Davis have been my targets in eighth mm -hmm. round in all of my drafts. And I think most of them, I would say 80% of them, it will be one of those three I take. I love them as my receiver one of them as a receiver four. I like Moore more because his talent is not gone. And last year, you know, I think was an aberration with whatever issues the team was ha having. Uh, young receiver, I think he should be motivated. They paid high capital to get him. I think he outperforms his ADP this year. You know, and I probably have close to 30% ownership now in FPC for Elijah Moore. I, I want to um, turn it back over to Farrell here shortly, but Bip, the, the last thing I have to ask, and, and this is my Green Bay Packers fandom coming through, but I notice a noted Minnesota Vikings fan of, of lucid mind, clear hearts, full eyes. You take Jordan Love and you take Jaden Reed. How proud of you were that of you were that Green Bay stack here as you get them in the round uh, 16 and round 17 tonight to get Reed and Love, my friend? Well, uh, I think, you know, so how I like to do is when I have those receivers that I want first five, then for me, it's all about upside. And when I look around, you know, Mims was gone. It's Mingo, Mingo. I like Mingo and Reed. And, and you know, they had both had high draft capital. You know, if in the second round, they were the first two receivers taken. So from that standpoint, again, I'm thinking the championship weeks, which receivers might go off or develop and, and do a bunch of things. Now, once I took Reed, I thought that was the easiest opportunity to stack. And and all I need is love for is week 10 when Mahomes has a bye and they pay they play uh, Chargers that week. And I'm hoping it's a shootout at Green Bay and get some points from QB and receiver. That's that's all it is. Reed might play more if he breaks out and surpasses uh, you know Romeo Dubs. But mm -hmm. yeah, that 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 was that yeah, there's nothing more to read in that ballgame. <laughs> Well, listen, I'm going to read into it what I want. And then that's that's like Jordan Love and Jaden Reed, baby. Let's saddle up yeah. and ride. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, Bip, I'm going to turn it back over to Farrell here. He's got a question on what you thought about your draft tonight. And then, of course, our favorite question to ask you for the remainder of the evening. Sure. Those are both good questions, Balky. I'm not going to ask him what he thought about his draft because he is a humble man. I'm going to give him the A-plus he deserves. And, and and move on from that. But did, did you feel it was one of your better efforts, Bill? I, I think this is one of my better teams. I mean, you are generous, but I would say I would have preferred another proven running back if possible uh, on that team. I really like how my receivers played out the way I think. You know, I want some PPR value. I want some upside. I want some rookies later, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Tight end with Goddard, I think Gisiki, hopefully we get a Bill O'Brien offense that we saw with Gronk and, you know, those those folks back back then. And then Logan Thomas could be an easy cut or, you know, in the new offense, he breaks out as what Kelsey used to do at um, Kansas City, right? So I feel good about tight end quarterback. I don't need to talk about receivers. I really feel good. I just feel another proven 
uh, running back I would have preferred. But then if Zeke and Hunt land in a good situation and can have a high floor, I, I will be fine. It appears in the chat room that people are amused by me calling you humble, Bill. And I would respond to them by saying that if you were not so humble, you would laugh at us while we are drafting. So that would be, uh, I, I got to ask you something back here. Uh, what type of piano is that? Oh, behind you. What, what a piano is it? Oh, that's, that's actually one of the, uh, uh, what should I say? Streamyard backgrounds. It's but I do have a oh, baby grand Bill, piano. I just knew this was your pad. <laughs> no, oh, but fun. I do have a baby grand piano at home. But the kids play. I, 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 <laughs> you have a baby grand at home. How many keys on a piano, Vip? I have no idea. I never. Ah, uh, Vip, I'm telling you what. We're we're going to take that a, a. We're going down to an A minus. Let me get a question that I know you can answer. A bulky's coming in with 88. Which now, Bip, is the over-under number of how many teams I expect you to play in the KFFSC? Uh, 88, uh, you know, well, you don't have to quite hit that number this year, but we'll, we'll appreciate it. I would say uh, 20. That's oh, yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, that's impressive. Um, that, that's imp- and, and I have one more question. Where is the uh, professor tonight? Where, where is the professor? Today is... Friday night, and the yes. professor, what I heard recently, is in love. So he should oh. be romantic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I got to tell you. So I'm sure he's on a romantic date enjoying his red wine. You'll probably see him in weekdays. That's, it's it's, it's love say. story for the professor. You got to love that. Okay. Give me a love story, Bip, on who you must roster in 2023. And tell me, you know, let, let's do a horror movie scene. Of, is the something that you would stay completely away from uh, the guy you love and the guy that uh, is is just horrors for you in 2023? Yeah. So the guy I love, and we talked about a couple of them, right? If I uh, because for me, you know, it's it's chalk when you look at first two rounds, Cup, Waddle, all these people, you know, all of us like, but the. Guys, I really like this year is uh, Elijah Moore, which we talked yeah. about. And, uh, you know, a very late um, uh, sleeper that I have is Jonathan Mingo, right? I do mm-hmm. feel he can surpass Adam Thielen and carve out a role in that offense. You know, rookie QB, rookie WR connection building, right? Those are two players I, I really like, and I've been trying to get them in uh, drafts, right? Uh, players I'm staying away from, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, if I look at some of my drafts, what scares me is, um, I'm not going to take AJ Brown at his ADP. It's not that I don't like him, but I just don't prefer him at that, uh, ADP. Um, other than that, I don't like Friermuth at his ADP uh, as a tight end, you know, I mean, He's already a little hurt. He's had a couple of concussions. You know, now they have drafted another tight end. That offense may not have so many um, passing looks. Uh, although this is way too early, some good Allen Robinson stories again coming out. So I just don't know, right? So that's that's one player I would not uh, prefer. And for me, you know, in these drafts, like I said, I draft with open mind. It goes back to ADP. So I will not touch a bunch of players at at their ADP uh, value, you know, so that's what. The other player I like is Najee Harris at at, at that three and four uh, corner. He's been climbing up 
draft boards, but I do think he could be someone who wins people leagues, especially if you start receiver, receiver. I mean, if you start Amonra and Garrett Wilson and then get Naji in the third, you know, it's it's like a dream start. You know, Bip, uh, we we have for years on this show, and but when I say years, it's probably been more than a decade. Uh, so many of your peers and competitors have urged you to change your team names to the Notorious BIP, something that you balked at for many years as well. You said, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen until it did happen. Yes. I have to ask you, I was looking for you on Twitter because I wanted to tag you. In, in all the social promotion we were doing tonight. And I was looking for Rainmaker on Twitter, and I'm like, well, there's no way Biplab left Twitter. He's on there somewhere. Who gave you the idea, and or maybe it was yourself, when did you succumb to at underscore Bitcoin on Twitter? Because it's a fantastic Twitter name. I think it was you or John Terry, one of you. I'm it was John Terry. Name. It was yeah. not me. If it's okay. me or John yeah, Terry, it was, it was one, definitely one John Terry. Both, and... <laughs> Notorious Bip, I think, was a Dave Gerzak suggestion. Yes, Unfortunately, I, I trashed that name because that was one of my worst years when I used that name. And I'm unforgiving that way. I'm like, this is bad luck. I'm not having this, yeah. right? Rainmaker, I did well. And then, you know, I think like John Terry, who's, who's really fun, you know, and always pulling my legs. He's like, you are too boring and that's not acceptable. And then, you know, obviously some of you know, you know, my fascination towards crypto and Bitcoin and, and then uh, that's how Bitcoin happened. I right. almost named my car Bitcoin, but I didn't, went with something else, you know, but uh, that's, that's, that's history now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terry copying to it saying it was him who said um, uh, Bitcoin. He says, Notorious BIP is better. Dave, the, uh, the Dizzle Gerzak chiming in, Bitcoin is awesome. I'm a fan of Bitcoin for sure, uh, BipLab, so I don't think you can go over. You know, the great thing is you have so many different great Twitter names. If you ever have a bad fantasy year, you can always change it, and it's going to be a fire yeah. name, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, right. Speaking of fire, you had a fire team tonight. I think you already uh, told us, like, this is one of your better teams. Maybe this is the million-dollar winner. If it is the million dollar winner, we're definitely going to have you back on on this on this program to, to tell us a little bit more about about how you managed it throughout the year, which is another portion of the uh, of the fantasy tree that everybody needs to be aware of. You know, drafting, uh, lineup setting, and obviously waiver management. It's a it's a three prong tree here in the fantasy pros championship. We will continue to follow you on Twitter at underscore Bitcoin. BitLab, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Congratulations on another great draft. And I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say that I'm probably going to see you in the draft rooms again sometime this weekend or going forward this week for sure. Absolutely. This is the time to prepare for the main events. And then I'm focused from July only on main events. So Good for you, how, man. Appreciate yeah. it. And, and that's why that's how I like how you guys build it up because it starts with the never-too-earlies, lower yep. stake, but a good practice builds up for the fantasy pros and then builds up for the main event. So I really like the sequence and that's how I draft the teams. I'll do less fantasy pros come July, August and mainly mm -hmm. be drafting main events. And, and, and John Terry, by the way, the, the guy we've been talking about uh, tonight, who's no stranger to, to, to this show, won the never too early uh, best ball tournament last year too. And, and I know he's using, I know he's in it again this year. He was in the draft tonight, obviously drafted a strong team as well. Um, but this is how you do it, people. Yeah, it's he, a stage. He is, he is a great player, and we have similar philosophies, and we follow similar 
uh, probably analysts and strategies. It's really tough drafting with him. Like I can tell you today, 12 of his picks, I was calling in my head what he's going to take because I knew that's <laughs> not coming back. And I'm sure he could do with my team. Yeah. Although we should give him a hard time. I hope he donated half of his wins to uh, Mr. Three. You know, I mean, it was, it was an unfortunate incident, but I know that uh, game helped him out really well. The Borough chase, um, uh, the Kansas City, Cincinnati Bengals right. team that was called off. So let, let me let me ask a hard time for, about that. Let, let mm-hmm. me ask you this, Pip, and, and we'll this will be your walk off tonight. You know, you you have a lot of guys that you have drafted, and I'm probably going to leave somebody out. And my apologies if I do, but you've drafted with a lot of the same guys over the years. I, I think of Zeb Cap, John Terry, um, Vince Staffolino. You know, guys like this uh, over the years. I feel like you guys have all been in uh, not only in the same chats. Um, uh, Chris Vincent is another one too. I should bring yeah. him up too. The sexy sailor, as it were. Um, I should uh, mention all those guys over the years. Has there been one competitor that you feel has always had your number or the one guy that you think, God bless it. If I, if I just would have not gotten sniped by him, this would have been an awesome team. Who's been the toughest guy or are they all about the same? Well, they are all the same. I think we, we have a common chat. We talk, you know, we share our knowledge, you know, because that's our strategies. Uh, But what, 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 the one who is closest to what I do is John Terry, right? Mm-hmm. He and I have a very similar uh, drafting approach and very similar. So that's the one that has been toughest because I know Vince and I like a lot of teams and we draft together, but I know Vince at some point likes to zag and that helps. We do a lot of Terminators together. Uh, Chris Vincent, you know, great scout, but he but he ha- he will jump ADBs and take players. The challenge happens when I'm an ADP value drafter as well as I like certain players and when someone else does the same, right? Yeah. That's, that's where it gets challenging. Well, and then, and then it's it's like a, like we've heard this before from I don't know how many fantasy players are like, well, yeah, I was drafting in the Fantasy Pros Championship. This dude took him in the eighth round after I'd been taking him in the ninth round. So the next time I was in a league, I had to take this guy in the seventh round. And then the next time it was the sixth round. And, the fifth, you know, and, it, it, and it always, you know, and oftentimes it doesn't work out. Um, but at some point, there, there's a sweet spot that lands um, for a certain player, and whoever strikes at that sweet spot wins. But that's the other thing that you do when when you're drafting against all these other guys and they're in the same group chat, and you know which guys um, those players like. It, it is a, a, a bit of a, a chess game, a chess match, where you're trying to figure yeah, out and- when, when can I get this guy but not overdraft it. Yeah, and what I try to do and I pray for is when we get into main events, which are higher stakes, mm-hmm. that john is not on the same table or vince is not on the same table or chris is not on the same table because you know you end up killing each other <laughs> that's yeah. true and it's a bloodbath it's yeah. an absolute it, it bloodbath. is it is like tonight yep um bip lab uh, at underscore bitcoin on twitter thank you so much dude we have taken way too much of your time congratulations on a great draft we will talk again very soon, and I will see you at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas come early September. Yeah, okay. so we'll see you there. What are the odds you'll be without the beard? I know a lot of Oh, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Okay, so people have been asking me about this. Uh, and Dave the Dizzle Gerzak is in the chat room right now. Dave and Alex would never, ever tell me to get a haircut or to shave my beard, right? <laughs> but they can make certain comments and certain statements, as they are my boss. They can make certain comments and certain statements that lead me to shaving my beard and get getting a haircut, okay? So I feel with 95% certainty 
when I am in Louisville for the KFFSC this year, coming up here in, in just over two months, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be clean shaven for that. And and with about 99.99% certainty, when I get to Las Vegas at Planet Hollywood, I will not have a beard and my hair will be much shorter. So that that is what you can look forward it's, to. Well, you've said it on air, so we'll we'll track that. But it doesn't matter. You have the same personality with or without beard. It was just you. a curious question. This is the longest I've seen in years. Probably. It's 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 been you know I was thinking about this you know you know in Facebook and whatever or Google whatever it it says you oh this is what you were doing at this time this many years ago and I'm like and I used to think like oh my beard was long then I think this might be the longest I've ever had it can't corroborate that I think this might be the longest I've ever sure. had it um, which is great in in um, Northeast Wisconsin Biplat I mean as, as a Midwest guy yeah. you know like as I'm living here in the shadows of Lambeau Field. Um, it doesn't get that hot in July. We might hit 40 degrees here yep. as a high. Yep. Um, so I need to keep my face warm as much as possible sure. for, for all this chilly weather we're having. Uh, right. So that that you can let pass that information on. Uh, the beard, probably around for pros versus Joe's after that. I don't know. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great. Thank you for inviting me and great chatting with you. And yes, I'll continue drafting and see you in another room. Thank you, Biplab. Appreciate you. Biplab Mandel, ladies and gentlemen, uh, drafting from the sixth spot tonight in the Fantasy Pros Championship draft that we covered here live on the High Stakes Fantasy Footballer. Biplab, a longtime player in the FFPC, but Farrell, he also plays a bunch in the KFFSC, and the KFFSC has a big-time run to daylight draft going off tomorrow. We got slow drafts going off in the um, run to daylight. And the main events, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the FFPC kicking off the, the main event here in about mm, 11 days or so. We're looking at the main event kicking off in in uh, in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Not much longer after that, as everybody is vying for that massive $25,000 prize there this year. A massive $25,000 That's prize. That's right. It matches up good with our $300 entry and our mm -hmm. 700 teams that will uh, participate for that. You know, and, and, and I love that confluence of guys and the way that they uh they have uh, great respect for each other and that's that's what i that's what i love about all of them i, I like the john terry john terry's only problem is he can't find kentucky on the map but you know i'm, I'm thinking bulky that as far as the beard is that i have my uh um, long uh trusted uh, barber by the uh, interesting name of dennis miller We'll show oh. up on Saturday night and trim your beard on the main stage at the <laughs> KFFSC. And that's what I've been wanting to make work for. Uh, this, yeah, hold on. Is this former Monday Night Football announcer, SNL cast member, Dennis Miller? Is oh, he it is the same personality, but not the same guy. <laughs> hey, babe, you can't, Galileo could only do the beard for so long, babe. You got <laughs> to make sure you clip that. Nobody's believing it. <laughs> that's great, Bog. I guess something great. like that with Dennis Miller coming up on stage at the KFFSC. That could be. I don't know. We'll see what happens. KFFSC.com. I'll be there in Louisville, obviously, uh, drafting online against many of you who are watching tonight. Farrell, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, everything you do for this show, and I will talk with you again real soon. Thank you, my friend. See you next week. You got it. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, uh, joining the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. It's just the HSFFOR for right now. Uh, Farrell Elliott joining uh, the, the program tonight. I have so many people I want to thank for tonight's marathon broadcast. I say marathon. It was only actually only two hours. But I do want to thank um, Bob Hogan. 
I want to thank Dallas Grimes. I want to thank Bip Lab, Mandel, Farrell, Elliot, Bryce, uh, Rob, and of course, each and every one of you for watching uh, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Now, a bit of a programming note. We're going to, and I, I, I'm, I'm trying to make this happen. I, I was kind of waiting to see because I'm actually out of town right now on a unfamiliar Wi-Fi connection, but it seemed like it, it was great tonight. I'm trying to make happen a Monday night High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour because uh, I will actually be out of town the first week of July and we won't have a show that week, but I don't want to leave you guys hanging. I want to do two shows next week. That remains in flux. Uh, we will be uh, posting that not only in the FFPC e-newsletter that is going out uh, this weekend, but as well as the FFPC HSFFO and my social media channels on Twitter and Facebook. So pay attention to that uh, and we'll have uh, all the details on that coming up. Um, if we don't go live on Monday, we will go live on Friday nights uh, on June 30th. So that will be the next time you see me. Now, the other thing I want to bring up here, in case you missed it uh, last night, you can watch yesterday's High Stakes Fantasy Football Show that aired live on the Better Sports Network as well as the BSN uh, social media channels and the FFPC social media channels. It was myself and Billy Musio from Player Profiler. A lot of stuff we got accomplished, some dynasty talk, a lot of redraft talk on there. It definitely made me a better uh, fantasy football player. It will make you a better fantasy football player as well. So check that out. Again, FFPC YouTube channel, FFPC Twitter, FFPC Facebook. It's all listed on there. Um, win a pair of $1 million grand prize uh, grand prizes at myffpc.com in the Fantasy Pros Championship as well as the FFPC main event. Fantasy football year-round can be played at myffpc.com with Dynasty Fantasy Football. Um, you can play for as little as $100, as much as $5,000 over at myffpc.com. 1,300-plus leagues in nearly a decade. Not a single one has ever folded. Uh, the fantasy, uh, beg your pardon, the high-stakes fantasy football show on the Better Sports Network will air at 7 o'clock this Thursday. We will be covering a live draft for you that night with a special guest co-host. So for two full hours, we will have all the coverage that you could want on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show. That'll air on all the FFPC social media channels, as well as the BSN channels and bettersports.com. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified every time we go live uh, on this uh, channel, which could be Monday night. Again, we're trying to flesh this out. It is a wild time uh, uh, for fantasy football, but we're trying to bring you as much content as possible. We'll try for it on Monday night. Be paying attention to all our social media channels, and we will let you know if we go live on Monday night or if we uh, wait until Thursday to cover another Fantasy Pros Championship track. Thank you so much. We got a lot of feedback, not only on Facebook and on YouTube uh, tonight, and and uh, uh, very, very thankful that all you guys are spending your Friday night uh, trying to become better fantasy football players watching this. Um, and make sure you go out and draft. Uh, use the tool, the, the tools and, and all the information you got tonight and go to myffpc.com. Sign up for the Fantasy Pros Championship. We got a draft going on tonight at midnight at 11.55 Eastern time, uh, which I will be the commissioner of. Jump in there and maybe you can win the million dollars tonight at myffpc.com. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. 
Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Tis the season, everybody. As we are, I'm looking at the draft right now um, for the midnight draft. We have already two teams signed up. We say, oh, we got, we got 10 more to go. Trust me, not only with the Fantasy Pros Championship, but any drafts we have at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, you won't be waiting long. This is another league that I think um, we're going to get a, a big push here in the next hour. That's usually been what's happened in June. I think that's going to happen again tonight. So sign up now and uh, draft uh, $350. And uh, you can turn that into a million. Where else can you do it? Don't settle for less. The Fantasy Pros Championship, the FFPC main event only at myffpc.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Certainly appreciate you hanging out with me. And we'll do this again maybe on Monday, but for sure on Thursday and as well on Friday. Be good, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.